The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. Yeah, this is Nasty Ronnie from Nasty Savage, and you're listening to Radioactive Metal, and also Wrestling Night in Canada, Nasty Ronnie, right here. You're listening to Wrestling Night in Canada on the Shining Wizards Network with your hosts, Matt Copper, Dustin Maruka, and Snowy White. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another exciting episode of Wrestling Night in Canada. I'm Snowy White. I'm Matt Copper. I'm Dustin Maruka. Hey, bros, what's going on? Uh, looks like we're in the third wave, boys. It's uh, more <laughs> restrictions were put into place today, but uh, I saw it. Yeah. I saw it coming. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Snowy, you got good news on your end in relation to this whole thing. In order for for the Carino thing, yeah. Um, for myself personally, um, steps are being taken where I can actually start having a social life. I'm going to be getting my first uh, my first shot, and then after the second one, hey, we can uh, start doing this once again. Once we're all you know locked and loaded and ready to go, we 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 can all start doing this down in your home studio, dude, and. Yeah, we don't have to yeah. do the Skype thing anymore. <laughs> we'll sound really good. We'll be rocking and rolling, strutting and strolling, yeah. and styling yeah. and profiling. Yeah, we can feed off each other with like visual cues and shit. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm just kind of hoping. I'm hoping like I I end up with some super soldier serum when I get my last <laughs> shot. <laughs> so when when do when do I get my superpower? Are you are you hoping for Captain America or the Incredible Hulk? Uh, actually, I was more. I'd like to tease the wife by saying, I, "I I would really love the Invisible Man." Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, I know exactly why, you pervert." <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, yeah. It's always it's 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 always a good time here in Snowy Manor. But how are you guys doing? No, I'm doing fine. I just took to took took it easy today, really. Nothing much going on. So, yeah, this is my well, really my I, or like I started talking to my dad today. This is like the, for my first interaction with actual people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right off. Right well, we definitely have a lot to talk about. We have got one hell of a interview. This week, um, we this got was another actually, one finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. We've this is what interview number three for us in 27, mm-hmm. 20, 27 episodes. And yeah. like, I, I've been doing interviews now for like the last 14 years for our sister program, Radioactive Metal. But this is basically pretty much my first wrestling interview we've had wrestlers on we've had heavy metal related wrestlers on radioactive metal before but one of my co-hosts would have done those so i was kind of like well i want to talk to them too (laughs) you know you're getting all the wrestling interviews and all that well with it being wrestlemania season and such a strong crossover between you know, heavy music and pro wrestling now. Um, now was now was the time to for me to do a wrestling interview 
related to metal for radioactive metal and i also thought we would share it with our listeners here and i think it's a pretty good one because mr nasty nasty ronnie he of nasty savage fame a really cool thrash band from the mid 80s had uh, quite a run in the florida wrestling scene in the territories back in the day as well so when I got Mr. Ronnie on the phone and said, hey, you, you want to chat for not just one show, but both? He was right in there, just like a bloody shirt. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, yeah. So really looking forward to bringing that a little bit later on today. Of course, there's a lot of things happening um, in the wrestling world that we're going to talk about with the turn, turnbuckle talk as well. But I guess maybe to kick things off. Like I said, it's WrestleMania season. WrestleMania, it was TakeOver, all sorts of cool stuff going on. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Mr. Copper, because this this is your territory, dude. I yep. love listening to you with this. Okay. Well, I'm not going to go through every match in every detail because there's, like, so much to go through for this. It's not, like, one pay-per-view that I can bang off in, like, half an hour. This is essentially four pay-per-views. So, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you like to say I have a golden voice, but at the end of this, if I went through every match and every detail, it'd be the driest form of gold you have ever heard in your entire life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the vacant WNIC championship was up for grabs in this marathon of predictions. So <laughs> yeah, without further ado, I'll just get into it. Uh, NXT Takeover Stand and Deliver, which was on the same night as for, or night one was on the same night as AEW Dynamite, uh, which was weird to say the least. Like uh-huh. watching a takeover, watching a takeover on uh, on cable television instead of, or it was on the network too. But like, there were still like commercial interruptions, and like the sound would cut out on the network for certain parts when it would go to commercial. Mm-hmm. So it was very much made for a television broadcast. But nevertheless, that didn't take away from its quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Night two happened to be on the same nights that Impact moved back to Thursday nights. So uh, tough break break for Impact. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They picked the wrong week, but oh, well, I'm sure I'm sure they'll recover. (laughs) But uh, either way. Yeah. So both of these nights, as is the norm with takeovers, were both, well, nothing short of outstanding. Like Mm. the the developmental brand proves time and time again that they are on par, if not above the main roster in terms of match quality. So let's uh, go through real quick here Uh, on the pre-show. We had Zoe Stark uh, facing off Tony storm. We didn't know about this match until the actual day of, so we didn't actually uh, do any predictions for this one, but uh, uh, Zoe Stark ended up uh, winning Uh, first match of the actual pay-per-view officially was Pete Dunne uh, taking on Kushida just in a singles match just to see who was the best technical wrestler in all of NXT. Uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah, we, uh, I'm pretty sure we all took Pete Dunne on this one, if I recall. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, yeah, and Pete Dunne ended up being the victor. So, this was a solid 10 minutes of just mat wrestling, chain wrestling, whatever you want to call it. It was just, it was a technical uh, clinic, if, if I do say so myself. So, right. yeah. Big props to these dudes. <clears throat> anyway, uh, next match was the six-man gauntlet eliminator match to determine who was going to face Johnny Gargano on night two for the North American title. This was 
Bronson Reed taking on Isaiah Swerve Scott's uh, L.A. Knights. Still don't like that name. Uh, oh. oh, I hear you on that. Yeah. yeah, Dexter Loomis, Leon Ruff, and Cameron Grimes. <laughs> yeah. Cameron Grimes. <laughs> to the moon, baby. But yeah, this, uh, this match was, like, incredible as well. As you, all, all six guys put on, like, just amazing performances. But in the end, Bronson Reed... The colossal Bronson Reed ended up uh, with the victory. And, yeah, so because of this, I think, yeah, it was uh, uh, after the uh, immediately after the match was over, Ducky and I said, okay, I'm taking Bronson Reed for tomorrow. And then, yeah, Snowy said you were taking uh, Gargano. So right. that's a little bit of suspense going into the next night. Uh, next match was a for the United Kingdom Championship. It was Tommaso Ciampa taking on Walter. We kind of figured Walter was going to retain, and he did. Mm-hmm. But my God, did these two beat the hell out of each other? <laughs> they, did, they didn't have to put the cut in the table, though. Yeah, that I, I thought that spot was kind of cool before they showed the close-up of the table, where it showed how it was like the zigzag where it was cut, where Walter. Oh. Showed it. Yeah, like it would have been so. Like, Walter, could, Walter could have done that without it being cut. So yeah, there's that. But you know, it's looking at <laughs> there's there is also the chance that he could have broken his rib. So yeah, can't have. <laughs> he would have broke the table with a chop. <laughs> chops down tree. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's an Austrian lumberjack. He just goes and chops down trees with his bare hands. With his bare hands. Yeah, there's so <laughs> few of us that can do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I need an upgrade on my house. Hang on, I'll be back. <laughs> But yeah, the as I, as I said before, like uh, yeah, it was, these two just beat the hell out of each other, and the end came where I think the the ending, yeah, the ending of the match was uh, uh, Walter suplexed uh, Tommaso off the top rope and then hit him with a chop and pinned him after that. So proven that that chop is nothing to be taken lightly. I mean, if you've heard one of Walter's chops, then mm-hmm. you, you know, like they sound like they hurt a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm sure they do. Like, <laughs> there's there's no there's no good way to take one of those. I, I, no, I no, you just big it. Yeah, you just got to grit your teeth and like hope you hope you don't have a heart attack or something or I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just squeeze through the pain. But anyway, uh, and then after that we had a triple threat tag team match to determine. Who was the new NXT Tag Team Champions because the titles were vacated? There was a MSK taking on the Grizzled Young Veterans and Legato del Fantasma. Legato del Fantasma kind of felt like they were just there for filler. I felt because the, the match definitely focused more on MSK and uh, the Grizzled Young Veterans. It seemed for the majority, mm-hmm. like not, not to say that the guys in Legato del Fantasma aren't good, but it just kind of seemed like they were a bit out of place. Well, but, there was like one point where they disappeared for like five minutes. It's like, uh, yeah, where are they? Exactly. Exactly. You kind of forgot they were in the match entirely. But uh, there was a nice spot in this match where uh, uh, the young grizzled young veterans had MSK in double submissions, and they kind of there was kind of a bit of a callback to uh, when DIY faced the revival at Takeover when they were like uh, uh, the revival were trying to like grab each other's hands and keep each other from tapping out. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I thought that was pretty cool, but just being on the but being on the face side of things. But then, yeah, uh, 
Legato del Fantasma came, broke up the submissions uh, afterwards. But uh, in the end, MSK came out with the win. And yeah, new tag team champions. These guys have pretty much had a rocket strapped to them ever since they came in from Impact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they like they debut in the Dusty Cup, and then they win the Dusty Cup, and then right to the tag team titles. Like how long they haven't been in NXT for what like three months maybe? Yeah, it's it's only been just 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 it's only been just a minute for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully they'll help hold those belts for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they definitely. They have, they have the the look. They have the skills. They have the attitude. They're they can they can make really good long term champions, in my opinion. I'm looking and, forward to it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And the main event for night one was the NXT Women's Title Match between Raquel Gonzalez and Io Shirai. This was a bit of a shorter match than I would have liked it to have been. It was only like 13 minutes. But that being said, these two women packed that 13 minutes with nothing but action. <laughs> So, uh-huh. yeah, Io Shirai doing her, of course, she has to jump off something super, super tall, like, in every match she's in, and this was no exception, where she jumped off the the uh, skull that was at the top of the ramp for the stage set, and uh, I just love the way when, like, when Raquel Gonzalez was just standing there, and then the camera just, like, slowly panned upwards to the top of the skull, and you could see Io standing up there, and you're just like, ah, oh, of course, and, yeah, she... Io really nailed her knees on that ramp when she came down. I'm surprised she uh, didn't injure herself, but I guess uh, I guess she's impervious to pain. Who knows? Mm. <laughs> she's an anomaly. <laughs> she's got the but, new jack thing. The new new jack thing. If she's jumping yeah. off high things all the time, yeah, at least she's not pulling yeah. anybody with them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not pulling anybody with her and not blaming them for it. All right. Yeah, but well, anyway. Speaking uh, of new. I will get into that a bit later. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, always something to talk about with New Jack, and it's never fun. Yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, in the end, Raquel Gonzalez ended up hitting her uh, finishing move and pinning Io Shirai to win the NXT Women's title. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was kind of surprised. I honestly didn't think... I figured okay they they were building up Gonzalez just 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 to make her just just to feed her to to Shirai and I just mm. I was wrong. Yeah, I I kind of figured they were going to put the title on her after they uh presented the NXT Women's Tag Team titles to her and Dakota Kai on that episode and then that same night they lost them to uh Shotzi and Ember Moon. So I was like, well, if they're going to like take the title off of her immediately and then put her in an NXT title match and then have her lose that, that kind of kills her momentum. Of oh, course. yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of I'm happy for Raquel that she got the win on this. It was a good way to end off the off night one. But uh, even though she's like supposed to be the heel, the way she was reacting was very babyface like. Mm-hmm. So, and, and after what happened on NXT afterward, like the, the week after, it kind of seemed like she was has turned baby-faced right now. Was that probably due to, like, some? sometimes the fans will turn someone. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, so maybe that's, they're playing off the fan reaction. Yeah, possibly. I guess, uh, well, just have to watch NXT tomorrow and find there, out. There you go, yeah. <laughs> I plan on it. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Back to Tuesdays, right. Yeah, it's no more Wednesday Night Wars. We 
we got a little we got a little taste of them here in Canada, but no, well, whatever. And <laughs> and even though Chris Jericho said AEW won the war, no, Chris, hockey did. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. oh, just, come on. <laughs> well, he's got to play it up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like you can't be, you can't be. Who, what kind of a wrestler doesn't play up their own brand? <laughs> like, yeah. You don't see you don't see anybody on WWE going like, yeah, they're better, but we're uh, uh, what are we? Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, that was the the first quarter of this whole thing. I uh, I actually came up with the lead on this night mostly because of the Raquel Gonzalez prediction. But yeah, going into night two, uh, there was a match. Another match on the pre-show was Killing Dane and Drake Maverick taking on uh, Brizongo, which they won. Again, we didn't uh, make a prediction for this match because, well, we didn't really know about it until the, the day of. But to open night one or night night two, I should say, to open night two proper was the ladder match to determine the undisputed cruiserweight champion between Santos Escobar, who is the who has been the interim cruiserweight champion for the better part of a year now because Jordan Devlin was stuck in Ireland because of, because ah, of okay. So yeah, that when that happened, that. yeah, when that happened, Jordan Devlin was the cruiserweight champion for uh, not, not even very long, but uh, yeah, so he was stuck over there. NXT UK was completely shut down for months on end. So they kind of had to, they did the whole interim champion thing and then, yeah, Jordan Devlin was able able to uh, make it into the U.S. for a little while, and yeah, they set this match up to be a ladder match because, like I said before, the only way you can determine an undisputed champion is apparently only in a ladder match. <laughs> apparently, yeah. 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 Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon they set the standard. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this match was uh, well, it's pretty damn good. Like the guys took some amazing bumps and. Uh, I think Jordan Devlin. I thought I thought that final bump that he took when he got pushed off the ladder at the end. I, it looked like he had broken his neck. And I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad everyone was okay, but it looked brutal. It looked ugly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to be expected, there was some uh, involvement from the other members of Legado del Fantasma. But yeah, expected that fully. And then yeah, uh, Santos Escobar was able to grab both belts, pull them down. So he is. The undisputed uh, cruiserweight champion. Only for the next week, uh, the next episode of NXT, he loses the title Cheetah in a o- open challenge. So, oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, technically, it's not really hot potatoing the title since he was the champion. Even though he was the interim champion, he still had it for the better part of a year. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. It, it, it kind of felt a little hot potato-ish because they, mm-hmm. he had just become the undisputed cruiserweight champion. But Yeah, and then like four days later he lost it. Yeah, but yeah, good for Kushida. The match was good on, on that episode of NXT, so yeah. <laughs> right on, right on. Happy faces all around, except for <laughs> except for Jordan Devlin. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so next we had uh, the NXT Women's Tag Team title match was Ember Moon and Shotzi taking on Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. We all went for Indian Shotzi on this one. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the match was good. Not the, uh, I guess, like the the women's title match from the night before was a bit hard to follow up if you're going to compare the women's matches to one another. But yeah, it was it was good. It was fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like better better than your main roster women's matches. 
but mm-hmm. that's not much. <laughs> but yeah, like I had no problem with the match, and uh, there, as per usual, there's not a Shotzi Blackheart can't have a match without a spot where she almost kills herself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So suicide yeah. dives, she always does. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the suicide dives where she like almost breaks her neck on the guardrail. Yeah. <laughs> or the one on the indies where she did it into a pile of chairs. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Wow. Well, I hope she has a long, happy, healthy career because she's, you know, if I was to make a list of Snowy's favorite thing of things about pro wrestling right now, she's definitely top five. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yeah. Yeah, in the end, Amber and Shotzi retained. And... Yeah, still your NXT women's tag team champions. I yeah, I, and again, like with the hot potatoing, they just won them not too long ago, so I didn't expect them to lose them straight away. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be bad booking in my opinion. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's, we don't want to go. Good thing we don't have Russo. Yeah, we don't want to do. Yeah. yeah, we don't want to do the dying days of WCW or even or even the Attitude Era. They were really hot, uh, uh-huh. past around. But anyway, that's a discussion for another time. Uh, next we had the many times, many times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next there was a singles match for the uh, NXT North American Championship was Johnny Gargano uh, taking on Bronson Reed. Uh, I don't know if it was because he already wrestled the night before, but I, I felt like Bronson Reed's performance in this match didn't live up to his performance uh, in the gauntlet match the night before. He kind of seemed to have botched quite a few spots. So I don't know. Like I, I, I was really pulling for the guy. I thought I thought they were going to pull the trigger on him and uh, give him the belt. But yeah, in the end, Johnny Gargano ended up retaining. He hit, he hit, or he hit him with two of those DDT. The 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 DDT finisher he has called the one final beat. So he hit him with two one final beats. Two final <laughs> two final know. beats. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but final beat way, yeah. squared. Yeah, fine. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, but yeah, Johnny Gargano retains and is still your NXT North American champion. Now we got, uh, I always hate this term when they say double main event. It's like, no, there's no <laughs> co-main event. Yeah. There's only one main event. <laughs> that's the match that's on last. It's always the main event. It's got to be the world title. Or, or or a cage match to settle a feud, or like you need a reason. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, the co-main event of the night was the <laughs> was for the NXT World Championship. Karrion Cross taking on Finn Balor. Uh, yeah, this match seemed to go by pretty fast, even though it was pushing twenty minutes. But it didn't feel like twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. No, You're right. yeah. But like most of the match was just carrying cross, like like Finn Balor got his shots in. Of course, he wasn't completely squashed, but for the most part, it was just carrying cross mauling Finn Balor, and yeah. So I guess and 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 he and he ended up winning the NXT Championship. So it's like it's like the separated shoulder never happened. They they got it. They got the NXT title right back where they wanted it in the first place. So, but I'm curious as to what this will lead to. Like, is Finn Balor going to go back up to the main roster, or is he going to stay and feud with Karrion Cross? Is he going to bring the Demon back because of this? Like, who knows? Because he wasn't on NXT the week after. So it's 
I'm curious to see where this goes. Well, yeah. Well, apparently he goes up to the main roster. There's um, there's some openings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I guess so. But yeah. Well, yeah. You know, it's always a always a difficult thing to talk about releases. But we'll get to that in the turnbuckle talk. Mm-hmm. We don't talk in much more detail. Yeah. So Karrion Cross is the new NXT champion, and yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy about it because I well. I like Karrion Cross, and I voted for him in this match. So, <laughs> <laughs> but then we actually get to the act, like the legitimate main event, the main event. Dun dun dun! Yeah, the unsanctioned match between Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, reigniting their feud from Ring of Honor. And my God, mm-hmm. my, this match was forty minutes of sheer hatred. In in wrestling match form, yeah, yeah. This is def- this 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 was a contender for match of the year so far for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we we got to see the other two O'Reilly Cole matches because you know you know they're going to make a trilogy out of this one, right? Well, so, when they showed on NXT the few days later when they were both taking out on stretchers, Cole's like, "I'm not done with you yet. You're not dead." Oh, <laughs> rolling. Yeah, they're like, rolling side them by them. side oh. to ambulance. Yeah. Yeah, they're both in stretchers. Yeah, Kyle O'Reilly's just kind of sitting there taking it all in, and Adam Cole's got like a neck brace on, and he's like help being held down, just like looking looking at the ceiling pretty much. He's going, "You're fucking dead, Kyle. You're fucking dead." <laughs> <laughs> it was a little comical in a way, but right. even though it's supposed to create like more tension between the two, just seeing Adam Cole just like lying there, rather immobile, yelling at Kyle <laughs> O'Reilly. This is over. Yeah, I'm telling your mom. <laughs> if anything, I'm pretty sure if it does do three, the third one will be Last Man Standing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Last Second Man Standing or I Quit? One of the two. Ooh, I Quit. Mm, interesting. Yeah, and then the loser will go up to the main roster and get buried. Yeah. <laughs> the, the loser gets a promotion match. Yeah. The well, loser gets buried by Bobby Lashley. Let's go. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I could already picture like I, I like I love Kyle O'Reilly, but I can I can't picture him doing well on the main roster. No, they won't push him at all. So Vince will probably be like, "Oh, his, his ears are too big. He looks goofy." <laughs> <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, he's Canadian? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah don't mention that. But, yeah, this match was, as I said before, just sheer brutality from bell to bell. Uh, They just beat the shit out of each other. Like, every weapon you can imagine. When they brought the chain in and they were, like, wrapping the chain around people's necks, I was like, oh, that that stuff makes me squeamish or, like, Uh cringe. It's like, oh, there's so much that can go wrong right now. Uh Yeah, like all all the stuff with the chain, and uh, then there was that spot where they went through the stage, and then yeah, then Adam Cole crawled out of the hole first, and then kicks kicks a a big hole into the side of the stage. I'm guessing it was made of drywall from the looks of it. Okay, that's certainly what it looked like. But I was actually when he when he was kicking the hole in the side of the stage, I was like laughing to myself, like, what if he kicks the wrong spot and just hits a stud? <laughs> just like okay i kick here fuck yeah oh god i broke my toe 
but yeah uh and yeah i like as much as i love kyle o'reilly i did go for adam cole in this match and i know you two went for kyle o'reilly and kyle o'reilly came up with the victory i thought for sure they were gonna give the first one to adam cole but is what it is like Mm -hmm. yeah i'm sorry my description does not do this match justice at all all i gotta say is if you haven't seen it yet go watch it it is amazing yeah 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 yeah. and this 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 was my first takeover oh really yeah this was the first time i was there because i've never i never had the network and i never made it still don't have the network oh wow Never made it to one of your places for for takeover and all that. So when it was, I I discovered that I went to go tune in, thinking that it was just going to be like the last I don't know a rerun or something, you know, mm-hmm. on my usual cable channel, which now started you know was starting to air NXT, and I'm like. What the hell? Wait, what's going on here? Why do I see Nita Strauss doing the doing the national anthem here? I think this is takeover. Holy shit, I wasn't expecting this. And so I totally marked out. I got all excited and I really enjoyed my very first takeover. This was absolutely fantastic. It was better than any WrestleMania I'd ever seen, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, take takeovers are a treat, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I'm 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 okay the, with the fact that we only get five every year. I'm okay. I'm okay because like they're 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 more spread out like AEW pay per views. Mm-hmm. So it's not like throwing one. Remember when WWE had five pay per views a year? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that 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 was kind of the template where every federation, both the WWF and NWA, then WCW, they only had them once every other month, and I was good with that. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, it kept everything fresh and exciting and all that. And then once both federations started going with monthly pay-per-views, it's like, holy shit, this is too much. You guys think I'm going to be buying all of these? You're crazy. Well, yeah, that, uh, be like 15 bucks. <laughs> yeah, but I'm still, there's no way yeah. that I was, you know, I bought, I bought these ECW ones, you know, when we started getting it. I was quite religious about that, but... Well, before no, we got the no network, even was... before the network was out, all I would get every year, we'd get the three main ones. We'd get Rumble, SummerSlam, Mania. That's it. Hmm. Sometimes that's all you needed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, a, a lot of the main roster WWE pay-per-views are basically just, like, TV episodes anyway. Right, like, right, yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I definitely have nothing against, like, only having five pay-per-views per year because like and even when like even when uh like the brand split first happened they were like raw and smackdown had their own pay-per-views so there was one like every two weeks oh, <laughs> yeah. oh geez. i remember that oh yeah. that's brutal yeah and then ticket sales were lousy uh, uh buy rates were shit so it's like they were like okay we're gonna we're just gonna merge the pay-per-views will be where both brands We'll 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 have uh, all their matches, mm-hmm. and then the brand split ended, and then they did the brand split again, and then they tried doing the whole separate pay per view thing again, and then the <laughs> same thing happened. And there's less people watching this time, the second yeah. time around to begin with. Again, Vince <laughs> going, I have a good idea. 
that's because that's because no one in the WWF has the ball sack to say to Vince, "No, we shouldn't be doing this." No, you just got Bruce Pritchard there saying, "Good idea." Or yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> I oh, love oh. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bruce Pritchard is essentially the uh, the WWE's version of that guy that was on uh, Seinfeld that was like, "Oh, that's gold, Jerry, gold." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Everything you touch, Vince, yeah. you have the Midas touch, Vince. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what do you guys say? I don't think I have to ask this, but as is tradition here on Wrestling Night in Canada, take over. Horns up, horns down, horns in the middle. Uh, horns the fuck up. Way, Way up. up. Two horns. Two horns up. Yeah. Yeah. Right on, right on. Yeah, yeah. So, what's now? Now that we got the good one, I'll call you, no, I really shouldn't say that just yet because I haven't actually seen WrestleMania, mm-hmm. but I'm going to take an educated guess and say, okay, we've seen the good one. So, tell, yeah. us, tell us about WrestleMania now. <laughs> well, first, I, I think it's uh, important for our listeners to know that by the end of the two takeover nights, all three of us were tied in our prediction scores. So, how the oh, hell? Oh. That's a cliffhanger if I ever fucking heard one. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody was leading the charge going into WrestleMania here. <laughs> so, <laughs> we were all, yeah, we were all uh, seven, all tied at uh, no, eight, seven apiece. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, because nobody took the nobody got the win in the gauntlet match because we all voted for different people other than who won. Yeah, we were all uh, seven, seven all. So yeah, there we go. So going into WrestleMania, yeah, tensions were high between the three of us. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, WrestleMania first WrestleMania or first WWE events to have a live crowd since the Raw after Elimination Chamber in 2020. It's been. A long, long time. <laughs> but yeah, 25,000 people were allowed in Raymond James Stadium, which is about, I think for a wrestling events, when you count the, the field, there's like, I think 80,000 was the capacity that they were going to go for last year's WrestleMania. Okay. But it was just so strange just seeing people instead of like people on screens in their living rooms. It was, <laughs> it was a okay. It was refreshing not here. Not here. The capacity for Raymond James Stadium without the field is sixty-five eight ninety. Okay. Yeah, so it's probably like eighty ninety thousand with, with yeah. the field. With the field, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, obviously they couldn't do that this year, but whatever. It's <laughs> is what it is. Can't do nothing about it. All right. But, uh, yeah, but uh, the other thing that made <laughs> WrestleMania kind of weird at the beginning was that it was like the first like half hour of the show was uh put uh postponed by a rain delay wow a huge thunderstorm and hitting and hit uh tampa bay and yeah like it was raining in the stadium there was no roof on raymond james stadium that they could that they could have closed so yeah like the whole the show went on uh when it was supposed to but it's uh yeah, it was basically just the commentators. Uh, the opening video package, Vince McMahon did his big introduction where he was talking to the fans in, in front of the you know, in front of the crowd with all the wrestlers behind him for the actual matches to start. Because like they were like, "Oh, okay, well, we got to do these a bunch of uh, interviews with people, and the commentators got to say stuff." So this is like the 
for the first time in quite a while, we actually saw improvised promos on the main roster. So yeah, because it's all it's all it's um, all scripts, it's all TV writing now and all that. Mm-hmm. So that's it's probably the best promos they've had in a long time. Yeah, it, it was a treat. I will say that <laughs> it was like kind of a blessing in the, in disguise. But uh, yeah, it's like hard to believe that. How many times has uh, WWE done WrestleMania in open uh, roof stadiums in Florida, and they've never? This is the first time they've ever run into this problem. Right? Yeah, I was. I was going to say this. Not only this is the fr- I've not only just the WD, WWE or WWF. I've never heard of this. You know, the wrestling gods has always smiled down on these open air shows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've never heard. Except for the CWB show here. <laughs> Except for which? Except for that one local show here. Jesus. Oh, uh, okay. I there don't recall one, that. There was one. I'll go over it fast. There was one CWE show here. It was at, um, it was at the bar, that one bar on Main Street, Whiskey Dick. Okay. Oh, yeah. And. When we were sitting up for the hardcore match, you could see the the clouds coming in, and we're just <laughs> like, "Well, let's see what happens." And they, the match, they got to the ring, and it, it was just like drizzling a bit. So we're like, "Okay, whatever." And they're just going, and then like halfway through the match, it just torrential downpoured. Oh, so they got oh, like geez. they did like the big spots really fast, and then one, two, three, and then we sent everybody inside, and then they saw me there. They're like. Help us. So we went out and then we took the ring apart, brought it inside to the bar, set it up in the bar, and had the rest of the show in the bar. <laughs> All right. Right. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's that's definitely different. As a baseball fan, I'm you know, I've gone through my share of rain delays and rain outs and all that, and but never never with wrestling. That's definitely different. Yeah, it was definitely strange, but uh, nevertheless, once once all that, uh, w- w- once they delayed enough, the uh, the show actually got going proper. So the opening match of night one was for the WWE Championship. Bobby Lashley defending against Drew McIntyre. I thought that they were just going to do a squash match, like Brock Lesnar or Goldberg style match with this one. Uh, not the case. Not the case at all. This match pushed uh, almost twenty minutes. Wow. So, and I don't think um, any of us had Lashley. No, and like, all of us had Drew McIntyre because we all thought for sure that it was like a shoe in that they were giving yeah, him as a crowd. That's the WrestleMania moment. Yeah, but uh, no, Bobby Lashley ended up, uh, he got him in his full Nelson uh, submission, which he calls the Hurt Lock. And uh, it's, it is important. They, they, they did point out, though, that Drew McIntyre didn't tap out, he passed out, and the referee called, called it. Ah, okay. Protect, protect. I swear at this next pay per view, which is called WrestleMania Backlash, which is really dumb. That if they have Lashley win it again in front of nobody, what's the fucking point? Yeah, I don't know. It's or if they have Drew win it in front of in the Thunderdome. Yeah, that's what, like, that's oh, what I mean. Yeah. If oh yeah. Have McIntyre win it again in front of nobody. It's like, why didn't you just have him win it three weeks ago? Yeah, he's he's already won it twice in front of nobody. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But maybe he'll win it at SummerSlam. Time will tell, I suppose. There we are. There we yeah. are. Well, that, that's what's going to well, I guess he's the closest thing like to a real star that they've got, you know? So I, 
don't know. It's just are they dropping the ball with him? I don't know because like like his whole babyface run has that has had no like real crowd reaction because it's all been canned right. incense. So it's like, is he a big deal or is WWE just telling us that he's a big deal? Like I personally, I, I was stoked when he was getting his push to begin with, but in my personal opinion, he doesn't really have the staying power I thought he would. Like, right. I think he's good, but I, I prefer him much more as a heel. Mm-hmm. But WWF just doesn't know how to create the big stars like like they did. The Rocks, the Austins, you know, the Cena's, like the Hogan's. The, the Hogan's. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that whole thing is a thing of the past now, I think. All across the board. All across the board. Well, it's because uh, all those guys, like your Hogan's, your Austin's, your Rocks, your Cena's, they all, their popularity ended up transcending wrestling. And I think that's what Vince is afraid of. He doesn't want uh, another marquee star that will become famous in Hollywood and eventually leave the company. So he's like, he's, it's, then he's not, he's, he's not creating the star. He's shooting himself in the foot with that. I know. I know. Once again, Bruce, you got to tell the old man this shit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm not assuming I'm going to see like uh, Seth Rollins or Drew McIntyre in the next big Hollywood blockbuster. So <laughs> no, no, because these guys are wrestlers; they're not sports entertainers. Maybe Roman Reigns. Maybe Roman Reigns in like, a WWF production. Yeah, because Vince yeah, still okay. thinks he's he's Wasn't the next Roman, Calvin and Hobbs. Though you mean Hobbs and Shaw? That's it. Uh, I got like no sleep last night. Okay. Uh, Oh, good. (laughs) Calvin and Hobbs. Yeah, he was the tiger. Yeah, that's right. I the tiger, baby. Well, for now, I'm calling Hobbs and Shaw Calvin and Hobbs. (laughs) I'm sure you're not the. Oh, geez, everyone. Yeah. 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 All right, so what happened next? What happened next? We had the tag team uh, turmoil match. The winners receive a women's tag team title match on night two. Uh, yeah. Poor, poor Mandy Rose. Yeah, Mandy Rose slipped on her way out. That was so disappointing. For her, so like, no, what's the word I'm looking for? I felt embarrassed for her, but like, yeah, they were kind of they were able to make a little bit of a joke of it afterwards. Yep. After right. when? After when she was like. She went live on Instagram for a few minutes and was like, I feel so bad. And then Titus walked up to her, put his arm around her. It happens to the best of us. It happens, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha, look at that dumb blonde. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, yeah. Right there, as soon as she slipped. <laughs> Vince probably died laughing. Yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> it would have been Vince like, laughing his ass off and Hunter going, oh, shit. God, yeah. There we go. Is this guy not dead yet? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, not going to go through the whole details of this match. It, it was there's uh, Billy Kay and Carmella. There was uh, the Riot Squad. There was uh, Natalia and Tamina. And fuck, I, I don't even remember who the hell else was all in this match. <laughs> like, a I bunch of them. Yeah, I just, yeah, I. I have I have the results in front of me just say Italian Tamina won by last eliminating the Riot Squad. There we are. <laughs> I was actually like we didn't predict this match because they didn't announce it until after we did our predictions. 
So I was pulling for the ride squad because, well, mainly because of Liv Morgan. But <laughs> right. But yeah, Tamina, Tamina and Natalia ended up winning the the daughters of the of the prodigies, I guess you could say. Or, or no, the, not the daughters of the prodigies. The, the they are the prodigies. The daughters of the of the right. form. Yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah, Natalia and Tamina get a tag team title match against Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler for night two. All right. Now, this big contender for match of the night, I thought, was the Cesaro versus Seth Rollins. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. There's definitely, the, both both guys actually whipped out some uh, moves that they used to do in Ring of Honor in this match, which I thought mm-hmm. was pretty cool. I still wish Seth did his small package driver like he always did. Oh, uh, yeah. It's WWE and pile drivers. The, well, apparently the only pile driver you're allowed to do is the Canadian Destroyer, which yeah. I don't understand, because that's like the most dangerous out of all of them. Yeah, for sure. Like that, <laughs> yeah, when, that, when like that's catch, done, if probably. The guy catches your legs wrong in the air while you're flipping over them, there goes their neck. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Petey Williams oh. made that look so good. Mm-hmm. He was just amazing. Well, I guess it's the first time you see it. Yeah. You know? And to see it live, like I've seen him do it to Kenny Omega, like right there in front of me. And it's it's an amazing maneuver. Like, And it looks deadly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, or it, like he invented that move, correct? Oh, mm-hmm. he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, because yeah, like it's it's gone through so many name changes now. Like some people call it like the sick flip pile driver or the Panama Sunrise or uh, the Bunny Hawk calls it the Deep South Destroyer, which is a good name for it. I like that name. Deep South Destroyer. Cool. Mm. And then Bad Bunny calls it the Bunny Hop, the Bunny uh, Destroyer. Oh, if they would have called it the Bunny Hop, that would have made sense to me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> still a terrible name but at least yeah. call it something better than the bunny destroyer come on yeah. <laughs> anyway because it sounds like you're destroying the bunny not the yeah. <laughs> right uh, alright alright but yeah anyway Cesaro versus Seth Rollins this was for a match that was only like 10 minutes long yeah definitely match the night contender these two put it all out there as you could expect, I expected this to be a great match, so I wasn't disappointed whatsoever. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. And Cesaro came away with the win, so good for him. He is that's his first singles WrestleMania win. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they gave him a really good push, like when he first showed up, and now it it's kind of tapered off over the last couple of years. Remember yeah, and- all the jokes we kept making because when he was spinning Seth. The crowd was count count was like way off. They're like, oh, that they were counting like each half spins as one. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the first live audience in a while. Everyone's kind of rusty on their counting, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Everyone is <laughs> probably hammered <laughs> off their ass too. There we go. There's that too. And it's Florida. Floridians can't count. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Flor- Flor- <laughs> it's a, it's a, a stadium full of Florida man. Yeah, <laughs> but not, uh, not not our Florida listeners. They're all a a one. great. We love you. Uh-huh. That's yeah. right. <laughs> it's, it's 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 your neighbors. Uh. Yep. I'm I'm sure whoever's listening, you were bang on with your counts. So that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, 
Cesaro, Cesaro beats Seth Rollins. Again, this is another match. If you have an opportunity to check it out, do it. It's like mm-hmm. it's, it's not like takeover caliber by any means, but it's for a main roster match between two guys who are good against each other. I guess this is another right, like re- reignited uh, ROH rivalry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, we got O'Reilly and Cole, and now we got uh, what was Cesaro's name in? Ring of Honor? He, he, he went by his real name, Claudio Castagnoli. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Claudio and uh, Tyler Black are reigniting their rivalry from, from Ring of Honor. All right. Uh, all right, moving on. We had the Raw Tag Team title match, which was uh, Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston defending against AJ Styles and the debuting Almost. This, yeah, Almost's in-ring debut. Uh yeah, I know Snowy. You took the new day for this one, but yeah, I, it ended up how I exactly how I thought it would, which was yeah, AJ got his grand slam. AJ got his grand slam and almost got put over as a monster, indestructible monster. Well, when he did that like power bomb thing to Woods at the end, or was it Kofi? It was Kofi. Yeah, it's like did Kofi fall off the height of a cage? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You said you said we were watching. It's like Kofi took a ladder bump without taking a ladder bump. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was uh, it was just a mauling, pretty like uh, he just fell was, off a fifteen foot ladder, but he fell off a dude. <laughs> 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 like the the first half of the match was yeah, it was AJ Styles like going going toe to toe with the New Day guys, and like the I think there was there was one part where like. Uh, Xavier Woods had AJ Styles in a headlock and he just like looks straight at the camera and goes, We're effectively cutting the ring in half. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like yeah, for yeah, for baby faces, the New Day kind of had like a bit of like heelish tent like uh the way they were talking was kind of heelish, but whatever. I guess that's just the way the New Day is. They're they just try to get under their opponent's skin, but right. yeah. Almost, yeah, almost got tagged in, and he just uh, destroyed the New Day, and uh, AJ hit a phenomenal forearm off of almost his shoulders. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, they came away with the win. They yeah, almost wins his first actual match which, at WrestleMania okay. and w- wins the title, and AJ gets his grand slam. So, wow. Yeah. wow. And now wow. AJ is the first TNA and WWE grand slam. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think Styles is a former NWA champion as well, right? He yeah, won it yeah. before before it switched to TNA. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Yeah. No? Yeah. Yeah. When it was NWA yeah, yeah. TNA. Share it for it. Once right. Right. And Ring of Honor and all that. So, see, this is the thing that's kind of, you know, don't mind me for a second here, guys, but like. This is the WWE that I wanted. Styles, Galloway, you know, guys like this at Galloway. McIntyre. McIntyre. Guys like this at the top of the card, you know, then, of course, all, all, all the ladies are killing it as well. It's, but it's just like, you're not keeping my interest. Yeah. Like, guys, it's like, just like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And this, 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 this is what I wanted. And it's just, it's not happening. And it's. Yeah, maybe part of that is my fault, but I don't know. I no, t- it's I tend to doubt that. <laughs> it's the bucket for sure. Yeah, and it's you know, ah, okay, <laughs> okay. rant done, rant done. Yeah, 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, after this was steel cage match: Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon. Okay, I'm going to be perfectly honest, and I'm pretty sure everyone here sh- shares this uh, with me. I did not give a fuck about this match going into it. Even if I was watching this, I would have gone and made popcorn or poured a drink or went around the block. Or... Last man standing, so Shane could jump off the ship. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it, like it ended up being just one of those like uh, like because like the whole build up to the match was just basically Shane McMahon calling Braun Strowman stupid, and then mm-hmm. Braun Strowman dedicated the match to anybody who's ever been called stupid in their lives, and I was like. Oh, okay. So this is going to be one of those uplifting moments where the the guy who gets called stupid ends up beating the bully. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. Who who on earth is bullying Strowman though? Like, come on. <laughs> well, I mean, Shane McMahon has a history of picking fights with the wrong people. Let's be uh-huh, honest. Uh huh. Okay, I, I understand. Like, there are people, like, within the WWF higher hierarchy or whatever, like, Shane is close to the top, so he would be bullying him in that in that sense. But just from a physical standpoint, like, who's who's bullying, you know, Strowman <laughs> here, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, he, it's because he had the backup, too. That's, like, what, how, how all schoolyard bullies work. They're only tough because they got right. like, their cronies to back them up. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And when their cronies aren't at school that day, they're just like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" Blah blah blah. Uh huh. Uh huh. I don't. I don't condone violence, but I I've had a discussion with a bully once, and he didn't like the end of it. You know. No. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah, yeah. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. But anyway, uh, with that said, saying that I did not give a fuck about this match going into it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This uh, still had one of my favorite spots of the entire night, okay. which. Yeah, which actually, uh, it looked like Shane was going to win. He was, like, legitimately on the other side of the cage on his way down, but he made the mistake of taunting Braun Strowman while Braun was still in the cage. So Braun climbs up to the top turnbuckle, grabs the chain link, rips the chain link off, so effectively opens the, like, opens the cage, like, just ripping off one of the walls like the raptors in Jurassic Park. Like and he just grabs and then he just grabs Shane McMahon by the collar and just goes, "Who's stupid now?" (laughs) And and then basically gets him to the top of the cage, throws him off, and I think uh, Shane McMahon's going to be on ibuprofen for the rest of his life. (laughs) (laughs) Shane's probably been on ibuprofen since he dumped jumped off the Titantron on a big show. Oh yeah, fair enough. Or that that one that one spot he did where Steve Blackman hit him in the back with a kendo stick and he just did the free fall. Yeah, that probably that was probably the scariest one he took because he had to fall backwards. Oh yeah, right. Oh, right. I, I I'm all McMahon out. Any any one of the McMahons, I'm done. Like I'm just. Well, I agree with you, but like yeah, this was just like the whole point of this match was a bully getting his comeuppance and. We all know that Shane McMahon isn't afraid of death, apparently. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> especially because he's what fifty now, and he's oh, jumping yeah. off really. Okay, hot okay. Shit. If if Shawn Michaels can team with God, okay, then <laughs> I think I think Shane next WrestleMania will have a match against Death. 
some way, shape, or form. I don't know. <laughs> Shane McMahon versus Demon Finn Balor. <laughs> oh, God. Or The Fiend. Or, you know, whatever. There oh, please, then The Fiend can just trap him in the Firefly Funhouse forever. Yeah. Oh, there but we yeah. are. It's weird. It's weird to think. It is weird to think that Shane McMahon now is the same age that Vince was in the Attitude Era. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I remember in the Attitude Era, Shane McMahon was 28 years old, and I'm I'm fucking older than that now. Like, yeah, he's your age. Yeah, he was your age, Ducky. Like shit. Yep. Fuck. <laughs> and now he's my age. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yep. But anyway, yeah. So the point is, Braun Strowman won. Okay. He, he, he won the match for everyone who was ever called stupid. There we are. I think we all took Strowman, too. We did, yeah. And the next match. Rather surprising. Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus The Miz and Morrison. You can I, tell Bad Bunny's been training with all three of them. Yes, and he apparently had been training every day at the Performance Center since the Royal Rumble. Because it wasn't a bad match. No, it was surprisingly good. Like, Bad Bunny actually surprised me. Like, like, like what our buddy Matt Perlman said on Facebook, what fucking world do I live in where Bad Bunny has a match for Contender of the Night? Fucking yeah. Like, oh, like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, like, literally, the, well, I think that was the whole plot, was to, like, get, like, give everybody like the lowest possible expectation. Everyone's going to be like, Oh, well, Damien priest is going to do all the heavy lifting. And then bad Bunny's just going to get the, the easy pin. Not the case, not the no. case. At all. Like, uh, he was actually doing moves to the mids and every time he would like one up the Miz on a move, the Miz would kind of just stand there looking pissed off. And, like, just like saying, having that look, he's like, like this isn't actually happening. <laughs> but you could also tell in his mind, he's like impressed. Yeah. Most impressive. <laughs> I taught you well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, I was entertained. I was sports entertained by this match. So, I got to give this match, like, a like a thumbs up, just, like, A for effort on Bad Bunny's part. Like, the crowd seemed to love it, and he hit a Canadian destroyer on the floor. So, okay. yeah. Like, no, no, and Morrison no. stole that like a champ. Yeah, yeah. Props to Morrison for selling Bad Bunny. For selling to Bad Bunny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you're you've def- you you've got a good hand. Okay, when these when these guys are making him look good, but I've actually heard, you know, just through internet scuttlebutt that Bunny is actually you know a legit wrestling fan. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And so much like Dave, like we can say all we want about the the abysmal David Arquette thing. Mm-hmm. Arquette was a legit wrestling fan and he gave it and his 110. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, OK, I did. I did a lot of bunny bashing then. But all- OK, it, yeah, I have, everyone. And it did. was a very smooth Canadian destroyer, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was one botch in that whole match. No, there no. wasn't. Yeah, like when he went to the top rope to dive off it at one point, we were kind of just like fall, fall. Like when he slipped at the rumble. Oh yeah, yeah, he didn't he do that. He hit it like perfect, and it's like okay. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. his arm drags back and forth with the Miz. It's like, yeah, he's been training. 
yeah, those looked good. And yeah, like, I guess like from the, all the bashing we did on them for the previous episode, I, I, I gotta eat my words, like props to bad bunny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, we, we, we got to give bunny the horns up if he yeah. went out and, and gave it 110 and showed a little passion and mm-hmm. all that. You can't argue. Good on him. Good yeah. on him. He did get the over the top, or no? What was no? Miz and Morrison uh, before their entrance had a bunch of people in bunny suits coming down, a lot of which only had one ear. <laughs> I guess uh, either they ran out of bunny ears or they were just falling off while they were coming out. I don't know, but it was just as a way to make fun of Bad Bunny, obviously. But I couldn't help but think to myself, like, I wonder how many future NXT champions are in those bunny costumes right now. <laughs> oh know? yeah, when you think about it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All, all of this said, we're putting old bugs over big time and all that. But to be honest, right now, I don't even, I can't even recollect what the guy looks like. I could pass him on the street and I don't even know I would recognize him because I he just doesn't look like him, for sure. <laughs> I, I haven't seen enough of him. I just, you know, yeah, good. But, 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 yeah, good on him. Yeah. Yep. Cheers. His entrance was cool. His yeah. Really cool. He came in on the semi truck, I think. Or there was like yeah, a. And he was just on top of it, all crouched. Yeah, like a superhero. Yeah. yeah. Of course, of course, he would get one of the biggest WrestleMania entrances, but whatever. Yeah, yeah what it we is. saw that and we're like, oh, lovely. And then it was like, he can go, he can work. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, and then after this match, they played a commercial for Bad Bunny's upcoming tour. Yep, for next year. Ah. Yeah. Like the commercial was, it was Triple H standing by the side of a road, and then Bad Bunny walks up to him. Or Triple H has a suitcase, I should add. Bad Bunny walks up to him, and Triple H says, You did good, but now it's time to get back what you do. <laughs> and hands him <laughs> up. That's my Triple H impression. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you just have to have, uh, after every you, word. Uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> the game. Uh, uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that said, I really guess cool looking microphone, and then they did the they showed the dates for the tour. Yeah, not nope. coming to Winnipeg. That's nope. gonna say. That's gonna say. So, is there a Winnipeg date? Are we gonna go? No, it's like are we gonna go see Bad Bunny. It's like Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. Oh, okay. yeah. That's the, the usual time, Canadian. Yeah, the one time I'm good with that. That would have been really funny because then we could be like, "Hey, can I interview for Wrestling Night in Canada real quick?" <laughs> Talk about your training up to WrestleMania. I mean that wouldn't that wouldn't suck. I tell you. I yeah, I, I I could. Well, he's a musician. I can do an interview like with. I can yeah. interview musicians and all that. So, okay, Bunny, you can. You've got an open invitation to come on this show. Mm-hmm. It's out there. All right. Cool. <laughs> all right, and the main event for night one. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> was uh, for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Royal Rumble winner Bianca Belair taking on SmackDown Women's Champion Sasha Banks. Gotta say, the build for this match sucked, but the match itself delivered 100%. It was like Bianca Belair, you could tell, was kind of like getting emotional even before the match started. So it was kind of like, yeah. like, hold it together, girl. Hold it together. You haven't won yet. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, like, the match was really good all the way through. And uh, if I'm going to compare WrestleMania women's main events, I thought it was better than 35. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. that was Charlotte Lynch? Yeah, Charlotte Lynch and Rousey. Oh, okay. Yeah. But uh yeah, if if I if I had to compare women's WrestleMania main events, then I would definitely take this one. And also interesting note, this is the first WrestleMania main event between two black people. So that's another milestone. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess is Sasha Banks is she a hundred percent or is she uh or like is she like I don't know. I'm not one hundred percent on that, but Either way, it still is like a milestone. To it see. is. Oh, it's definitely. Yeah. Yes. Well, good, good on the WWF for that. Yes. So, yes. Second, second ever WrestleMania main event to feature women and the first between two black competitors. All so, right. yeah. Excellent. Horns up to that. For sure. And, uh, yeah. Um, man, I got to say, like, the ending of this match when uh, – Bianca did the hair whip to Sasha oh, Banks. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like you could hear that. At, like, I'm pretty sure like if the, I don't know if there are people in the upper deck seats, but if they, if they were, I guarantee you, they heard that crack. Mm-hmm. They probably that, heard it down the street. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you could see like Sasha Banks had a huge welt on, on her side after the match too. And wow. my, yeah, like, it, that wouldn't <laughs> like that stung. That 100%. sounded like a candlestick, but it wasn't a candlestick. <laughs> yeah, for sure, it was. It was brutal, but Sasha took it like a champ, and mm-hmm. yeah, Bianca ended up hitting hitting her with the KOD after that and got the win. And Sasha's the new SmackDown Women's Champion. Right on. Yeah, so good for her. She won the Royal Rumble, won the title, made events WrestleMania. She's she's having a good year. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I guess when so when when it comes for for wrestler of the year, regardless of your opinions of the WWF, like you're that's a contender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right now, yeah. I guess women's wrestler of the year. She's probably a lot of people's picks. But we're not even halfway through the year yet. So let's let's right. See yeah. Let's see where this goes. So yeah, that was night one of WrestleMania. All right, uh, pretty good show, I gotta say. Uh, I was I was sports entertained, like I said before. <laughs> okay, that's definitely a thing on this show from now on. <laughs> sports entertained. We're, we're sports entertained. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm down. All right. Shirt. Are you not sports entertained? Are you not sports? <laughs> Uh, okay. No, we gotta get those shirts made now. Like, oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what movie studio made Gladiator, but I don't want to get a cease and desist in the mail. But I'm sure. <laughs> or we'll make the we'll make it look like Triple H in a Gladiator. Triple <laughs> H in his like Terminator outfit. In like oh, his God. Terminator outfit, and then it can be like, "Are you not sports entertained?" <laughs> <laughs> no, Vince McMahon dressed as a Gladiator. Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh God. Such <laughs> 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 Yeah. All right. So night night two of WrestleMania. Also, I gotta say, I really wish they would stick with these like two separate night things because I don't hate it. It's a lot more digestible than one eight hour show. Oh, geez. Yeah. Like, oh, I remember there was a couple 
with 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 the pre going with the pre game, it's like this is going on all damn day and all damn night, and it's like oh, mm-hmm. my God, oh. well, with WrestleMania thirty five, I think Becky Lynch said that the the main event didn't happen until after midnight that night. Wow. And then, like, public transit stopped. The crowd was exhausted for that match, so Becky Lynch didn't get the reaction she deserved. Right. And, yeah, it was like, I, I remember, like, just sitting there, like, like, sitting through the whole thing. It was like, man, like, two-hour pre-show, six-hour main show, I am just exhausted. Like, I kind of just don't want it anymore. It's like, it's like when you... <laughs> It's like when you really want pizza, but then you order like three of them and then you get like, you finished like most of the first one and you're just like, oh, I'm done. Yeah, I'm good. Now I got all this leftover pizza throughout the week, but yeah. I got to sit through another five hours of, of wrestling. Like, well, what, yeah. what do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good That's, analogy. Mm-hmm. So I really hope that uh, it, it's so far, it's not advertised that the next two WrestleManias are going to be, uh, two nights but i hope they reconsider because it's a good formula i like it a lot of people seem to enjoy it and yeah eight hour wrestling shows just are not a good idea <laughs> quality over quantity uh-huh, uh-huh. but anyway on tonight two, the opening match for night two was randy orton dressed in white which was very weird yeah <laughs> i don't think that guy's ever worn anything aside from blue or black but yeah Purple tights once. Oh, okay. Oh, he, he has worn red too, like in the earlier days. More recently, he just seems to only ever wear black. But yeah, because it, it's kind of I, I don't know. It's like I, is he is he the heel or the face in this feud? And like, like because the no. white man. I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's like if he's the baby face, like he's the baby face, but he burnt a man to death or. I don't know. <laughs> and then in the promo before WrestleMania, Alexa Bliss says Randy Orton's gonna die. Like, yeah, like I'm so. There's the dynamics here are just like all over the place. But anyway, Randy Orton makes his entrance pretty standard, and then uh, Alexa Bliss comes out to the Firefly Funhouse music, and then there's this sudden suddenly. There's this, as Michael Cole said, a box-like structure sitting behind, beside the ring. Yes. Okay, a box-like structure. A box-like structure. I think box is pretty cut and dry. It either <laughs> is or it isn't. All the memes that have come out in the last few weeks have been fantastic. Yeah, no, no doubt. No, I, I even said in this other like group chat I got with some wrestling buddies, uh, no, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you guys aren't the only ones. <laughs> right? Wow. <laughs> yeah, we, we were, were making so, fun. so betrayed. You bitch. <laughs> we were we were making fun of Michael Cole for like a week, saying that and like, yeah, I I even said like, had he had called, had he have called the commentary on the Inferno match. Would not surprise me one bit if he would have said, "Oh, the fiend being engulfed in that fire-like substance." <laughs> <laughs> there was a meme that came out like two days ago. I don't remember if I sent it to the group chat or not. It's a shot from when Nia Jax injured oh, her yeah. whole bra, and then yeah. it was like, "Ow, my whole like structure." <laughs> oh, structure, yeah. <laughs> I sent that one to Matt Pearlman, and he just said, "You." 
<laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so Alexa Bliss comes down to ringside. There's this box. It's it's like a ja- a giant jack in the box, and she starts like cranking the yeah cranking the uh, lever on the side of it to play Pop Goes the Weasel, and uh, she looks like she's having trouble turning the thing because it's so fucking massive. But anyway, eventually she gets. It gets to the end and the, the, the top of the box opens and then the fiend's music starts playing and then the fiend just rises up out of this box and that's He's not the Krispy Kreme fiend anymore. Oh yeah, I should have said before before Alexa Bliss came out, they showed the fiends like all looking all burnt, walking through this like hallway or something, I guess. This hallway like structure. This hallway like structure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh then yeah, he, so he looked all crispy and then like all of a sudden, he was just back to normal, and he wasn't burnt anymore. So, cool, I guess. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, so the fiend rises up out of the box while while his theme music is playing. They've gone back to his matches. It seems being just uh, bathed in the red light like they used to, which I was never a fan of, and I don't think anybody would. But yeah, so Ran- er, fiend jumps off the box onto Randy Orton. They duke it out for a while. Uh, Bray Wyatt does a little tribute to Brody Lee, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Just yelled out, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we thought he said, yowie, wowie. Yeah, but I well, yeah, but later when I learned that he was saying, yeah, 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 I was like, oh, that's so much cooler. Because <laughs> So it's, I always like it when they give nods to their, to their friends. Of course, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, it's a testament just how, you know, how Brody Lee was so loved by everyone. Exactly, oh. exactly. But uh, yeah, then about five minutes into this match, the Fiend gets distracted because Alexa Bliss is now sitting on top of the box, sitting cross-legged in a different dress, with like she was wearing this like crown of thorns or something, I think. And then this, like, black ooze started coming out of the crown. So I guess there was, like, piping attached to it at the back that we couldn't see. And, yeah, this, this like, black goo was, like, running down her face. Bray Wyatt gets, gets distracted by this, turns into an RKO, and gets pinned. Yeah. I don't... Okay, so that, that actually happened. That just wasn't a fever dream of mine. No, that's, that's, that's okay. actually how the match ended. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I still yeah. love Alexa Bliss, though. You know, I do, too. And, like, I really want to like The Fiend, but the way he's been booked for the past, ever since the Goldberg match, it's just, or no, ever since Hell in a Cell with Seth Rollins, it's all just been, like, ugh. Like, I want to like this character, and I love the lore, like, his backstory. It's just the way that they've executed a lot of it has just been, yeah, Like... <laughs> Um, I'm having a hard time backing or backing it anymore, or maintaining interest. All right. They're just giving Bray Wyatt the same treatment they gave him when he was the cult leader. It's like you're supposed to fear this man, but he always loses. <laughs> oh well. All right. I guess. So I guess Alexa Bliss has turned on the Fiend, or I guess she's like more powerful than the Fiend because she brought him back from the dead or something. I don't. Know. <laughs> they, they kind of followed it up on Raw after, but like the Raw after WrestleMania was so bad that I I just don't even want to watch main roster WWE anymore. But I hear I, you. I hear you, brother. I hear you. I, like, I, I think, saw a thing. 
like because I check Facebook every once in a while when we do these, and I saw a thing about a segment that happened backstage, and it was better than all overall last week put together. Well, okay. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll go look for that then after we're done this and call it. It was it was a thing with Matt Riddle, so of course it was good. Oh, okay. Ah, he's he's usually pretty funny. Yeah, but uh, yeah, like I'm just. I'm just going to take this opportunity now to say, yeah, I'm done being roster WWE. I'm only going to be watching NXT, AEW, and back from now on. Because Raw and Smack, like Raw is so consistently bad, and SmackDown is hit or miss. It's just, it's not worth my time and energy anymore. I'd rather spend Mondays and Fridays doing things I love, like podcasting or doing audio-related things. I hear you. I hear you. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, you've broken me, Vince McMahon. I can't think anymore. Like the, the whole the whole lineup, the week of wrestling was so good. with having NXT, AEW, and Impact in the in the being like the meat of this sandwich. And then don't forget, we had the showcase of the independence as well. So oh yes, so much wrestling. Yeah, but like I'm talking like on a weekly basis from now on, being that it's going to be like it goes like Raw, NXT, AEW, Impact, SmackDown from Monday to Friday. Yeah, like the innards of that sandwich, like the the meat and veggies of that sandwich is so good. But it's like on the top and bottom, you just got these fucking moldy, crusty buns (laughs) (laughs) that just ruined the whole sandwich. Oh, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. And there's there's Ring of Honor and um, and Power is back and NWA Power is back on the on on the fight app. Okay, which I I got my subscription to. So nice. Yeah, yeah. Lots of good NWA stuff coming up. Like I I could watch AEW Dark Elevation on Mondays, but I just kind of get the feel I I watched a few episodes of like the other dark, regular dark, I don't know what you would call it. AEW <laughs> dark, 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 dark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I watched a couple episodes of that and I would just get like Sunday night heat or like shotgun Saturday night vibes from it. Right. So, didn't think that was really worth watching. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just random, random matches with enhancement talent with no storyline progression. It's like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> no. But yeah, it is what it is. Sorry, sorry to go on a little rant there about my, my <laughs> me abandoning the main roster of WWE, but it had to be said. Not, it's, not a rant on this show. Yeah, it, it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time coming for me. It was like. Uh, it was like when The Simpsons started to get really bad, but you kept watching just for hope, but it just never happened. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about Raw and SmackDown nowadays. Fair enough. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, getting into the second match of the night, there was a, yeah, the women's tag team title match, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler against uh, Tamina and Natalia. Uh, I think we all bet on or no i no sorry i bet on natalian tamina for this one uh jackson yeah so jackson baszler ended up winning and yeah they're still the champions i guess <laughs> not much to say i didn't really enjoy this match whatsoever it was just it's a main roster women's match which yeah i guess not the nearly only thing as good. to remember that from that match is when Shayna kicked natty in the face oh yeah oh. Yeah, she's getting kind of bad with that. Yeah. Because I'm thinking she's legitimately hurting people. And, like, anytime Nia Jax does anything 
Like I always like, I, I worry for whoever's taking a move from her. No, like no matter what it is, it could be uh-huh. a simple drop and I'd be like, Oh, I hope they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then people criticize her and then she has meltdowns on Twitter. Like the one she had the other day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, like is the world better off? Like, with Twitter or without Twitter by now, it's like, oh, yeah. really, people? Like, every time someone fucks up somewhere, it's like, oh, they made a, tri- a Twitter post. Mm. <laughs> you know, and it cost them their job. <laughs> well, no, I don't think, I don't think uh, Nia Jax is going anywhere. Like, unfortunately, but. Oh. <laughs> I, never, I never wish anybody to lose their job. It's just. When you're this consistently bad and hurting people... And hurting people, that's the key. Then you need to go back down and hone your craft better. Mm -hmm. Like, you need, like... Like, like actions need to be taken, and so does accountability. Mm -hmm. Like... Definitely. Yeah, and she's not... She tore both her ACLs and was out for... Almost a year. Almost a year. It's like, you think when she would have come back, she would have went through more training first. Yeah, you'd think that she was at the performance center trying to actually improve and not, not root, not ruin the main event of uh, Survivor Series like she did that one year. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Well, I suppose Vince will have to learn one way or the other. Well, maybe, maybe once Vince sells the company to Triple H, Triple H should be like, "Okay, you, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not dealing with you." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I got far too many complaints. But anyway. Yeah. Or we'll just have to see if Vince decides, let's have a story where Naya Samoan drops Stephanie and then Stephanie gets legit hurt. Oh. Yeah. oh. And yeah, then yeah, when daddy's little girl gets hurt, then <laughs> then 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 they'll do something about it. Yeah. And Triple H will go sell it really good so he thinks you're actually hurt so we can get rid of her. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyway. Enough Naya bashing. Enough, enough Naya bashing for this episode, anyway. For this one, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, end of the day, Naya and Shayna are are your still your women's tag team champions. All right. This match, next match was Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. So yet another uh, Ring of Honor rival reignited. There are, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. But this one, for some reason, Logan Paul was involved. I don't know why. Like, eh, whatever. Like, he was, he was, he was a part of the build briefly uh, when Sami Zayn debuted the trailer for his uh, new documentary that he was putting out. And I gotta say, I kind of hope that documentary gets put on the network at some point because it actually does look like yes. it'd be pretty funny. So do I. But yeah, Logan Paul's here for some reason, and if you don't know who Logan Paul is, he's just a YouTube guy personality. He was that guy who was put on blast for doing that video in that Japanese suicide forest and actually showing a dead body on camera. So he was kind of put on blast for that, but he took the mm-hmm. took the video down afterwards, And but somehow he's still able to have a career in YouTube after that. Uh, okay. None of this makes any sense to me. Logan no. Paul put on blast. I don't know what any of this means. Oh, I'll put on blast. <laughs> People basically like uh, bashing him on. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I, I probably could have deduced that. 
Yeah. It's, okay. a, it's a slang term. But either way, he didn't need to be here at all. Like it, but that being said, this is probably Sami Zayn's best match since he turned heel, became a chicken shit heel. Yep. Yeah, like it was wasn't even 10 minutes long, but it was a hell of a match. These two know each other inside and out because they're best friends and they've worked with each other uh, across Ring of Honor, NXT, main roster, and probably PWG, every company they've ever been in. Yeah, so these two know each other very, very well, and they have great chemistry working together. So I expected the match to be good, and it was. And, uh, yeah, KO came out with the, the win at the end, and I haven't watched SmackDown uh, from after WrestleMania. I, I don't know if Sami Zayn is still saying, like, oh, it was a giant conspiracy. See, I told you. But, yeah, so Sam or uh, KO wins with a stunner, and then, Logan Paul gets in the ring afterwards, and then uh, Kevin Owens stuns him as well. <laughs> so, oh, good. And then Logan Paul goes on the next day to say, oh, I didn't know I was getting stunned. Yes, you fucking did. Yes, you did. <laughs> you so I, I guess you could say that KO blasted Logan <laughs> Paul. <laughs> I guess you could say it. <laughs> <laughs> See, you didn't know Snowy was a comedian. Yeah. No, no. i will say one thing he did sell that pretty good yeah he did but okay right on i just i just felt like his involvement overall other than just like having another celebrity at wrestlemania was completely pointless yeah you can tell he's he's not a wrestling fan (laughs) yeah that that whole thing like with with the tv writers doing wrestling now or at least at least the wwe that I'm sure half half of the locker said, "Who the fuck is Logan Paul?" or mm-hmm. whatever. And then, like their writer said, "Well, it's a big guy on the YouTube and all that, <laughs> so we we have to work him in." And then, like the actual wrestlers are kind of like rolling their eyes, like "Fuck, all right, whatever." Yeah, oh man, nuts. Fucking <laughs> yeah, Rick Shane, Alistair Black can't get WrestleMania matches or even on TV, but. Yeah, yeah, that that's it exactly, dude. You got it. Yeah, but guaranteed, it's sad. But guaranteed, Logan Paul made half, like twice as much as half the roster did that night. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay, okay. Blood pressure down. Bring it down. (laughs) Bring it down. Bring it down. Bring it down. Okay. All right. I'm good. All right, so next match was for the U.S. title, Sheamus versus Riddle. Uh, and again, this match was great. I thought they both guys put on amazing performances, and uh, there was one pretty scary part near the end where Sheamus was going to give uh, Riddle the, his finishing move, White Noise, from the top rope, but it, he was positioned really awkwardly. Like, I think he was, he was, or his legs were behind the ropes instead of in front of them like they should have been. And while he had Riddle in position, he still had to step over the ropes, and that kind of fucked him up a little bit, and he wasn't able to hit the move properly. But that could have ended way worse than it did. And I'm glad I'm glad that it didn't. But I, I, I kind of got the feeling that that was supposed to be the finish of the match, but they had to improvise afterwards. Yeah, because that could have turned out really bad. Yeah. But the finish of the match did come where uh, it looked like Riddle was trying to do like some sort of... Uh, like a lion salt or some sort of flip off the ropes. And then when he was, when he, when he was upside down in the air, uh, Seamus hit him with a brogue kick. <laughs> so 
It was very well timed. If it wasn't and in flush too, it cut his mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, but like if if that was an improvised finish, then fucking props to both guys for fucking being able to pull that off and timing that spell. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, main point is that uh, Sheamus is your new United States champion. Wow, wow. You know what? Horns up to Sheamus because like here, here was a guy. He once once again, he's a good hand. Like he's he, he was they they pushed him to the moon for a while, and he was the bar there. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But they he's, they seem to have tapered him off a bit, and now they're kind of giving him a good push. The guy just won't go away, and I think that's a testament to him. Well, remember a few years ago, they were thinking he was going to retire because he had the same neck injury Edge did. Right. Oh, really? Okay. Pushing, he's just pushing off surgery. He wants okay, to that's, wrestling. yeah, that's probably the the taper off period that I was thinking of. Yeah. And all that. But, you know what? Horn, horn's up to the guy. Like, you go, boy. Yeah. He's still, he's still in incredible shape. And he's like in his mid forties, I think. That's really holy yeah. shit! I thought he was still a young guy. No, he well, he's been with WWE since like two thousand, or he debuted in, uh, or he he was in FCW for a while, like the early two thousands, I think. He debuted on the main roster on Raw in two thousand eight. Wow. Okay, it's it's been a while. Yeah. It just okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, so he adds another championship to his list of uh, accomplishments. Still hasn't been the Intercontinental t- Champion, though. I-, I want him to win that before he retires. Yeah, he needs that at least once. Yeah, because is he still whiter than I am? Yeah, is he okay? Because <laughs> because every time anyone saw him or Paige, like they would look at me and say, "Holy shit, this guy's whiter than you." Because <laughs> I'm just I'm like the whitest guy you're ever gonna run into, but until someone takes a look at those two, yeah, yeah, no, they, they, he still he still looks uh, <laughs> the, the, he he calls his finishing move white noise for a reason. There's a reason. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, but yeah, uh. Uh, lost my train of thought there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Sheamus is your new United States champion. Uh, third time, I believe, that he held his title. And, yeah, so congratulations to Sheamus. He was my pick in this match. <laughs> and, I think uh, I did. No, I don't think I did, actually. Picked Riddle for this one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, next match was the Nigerian drum fight for the Intercontinental title, Apollo Crews versus Big E. Uh, I didn't know what a Nigerian drum fight was going into this, as, as I'm sure nobody else did either. <laughs> and he didn't even I, use the drums. I, I've been a wrestling fan since 1979, and this is a new one on me. <laughs> and, and they never even used the drums. No, like uh, the Nigerian drum fight was just a street fight. They had like some drums at ringside that were painted uh, green and white for the Nigerian flag. Uh, but <laughs> it was, there was also a lot of other weapons. Like there was a gong. I didn't realize gongs were Nigerian and kendo sticks. You know, you know, those Nigerian, those Nigerian kendo sticks. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a polo who took the like side slam off the apron under the step. Yeah. 
That yeah. looked like saw. Yeah, it did. But uh, this was a fairly short match, though. It was like just over five minutes. But yeah, essentially, it was just a street fight. Then Big E ended up hitting the big ending on Apollo Cruz, and then uh, uh, what was his, what, what's this guy's is Dabakato? He's, he's been Dabakato, but now he's General Aziz. Oh, okay. He, so he's been Bubba Tunde, Dabakato, and now General Aziz. Because I thought it was I thought it was funny because he was on Raw Underground with Shane McMahon, and everybody knew who he was. But now he appears on WrestleMania, and everyone's like, "Oh, who is this mysterious large man?" It's like, wait, what? You, 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 are you serious? <laughs> like, you just saw this guy like six months ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but yeah. So either way, uh, he's now aligned himself. He's he's basically uh, Apollo Cruz's Diesel, I guess. Right. So, I didn't know Apollo Crews needed a diesel, but he's got one. <laughs> so now we need Apollo Crews and General Aziz versus AJ Styles and almost. Yeah. Yeah, just have almost and uh, Dabakato just beat the crap out of each other. Mm-hmm. Like God versus another Godzilla give it, long match. Give it time Survivor Series. Give it Oh, time. yeah. Oh, hell yeah. There it is. Like, well,. Uh, if if uh, Apollo is still the Intercontinental Champion by that time, which he could be, I don't know, but he, he'd have to face the U.S. Champion. So unless yeah, put the belt back on AJ and then turn that match into a tag match or a no DQ. But then, then yeah, Bob Tunde or sorry, uh, almost and AJ would have to drop the Raw tag titles at some point. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Because you got to have your champions versus champions match, even though they're not on the line, and it's just for bragging rights. Yeah, whatever. And Raw always wins it. Mm. No, uh, Raw didn't win the. I, I don't know about. I know I, I, they weren't even counting last year, so I don't even remember. But I know in 2019, Raw only had one, and NXT won the whole night. <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but the year before that, Raw clean sweeps, clean swept, clean swept SmackDown. But anyway, getting off topic here. But yeah, so Apollo Cruz is the new Intercontinental Champion, like we all thought he would be. So it's <laughs> just such a weird, a weird concept for him. It was like a Nigerian drum fight, and they yeah they didn't like the drums were there, they just didn't use them. It was <laughs> like but, but, like um one of them was thrown into it. A table with them on it at one point, and they fell off, and that was it. Oh, yeah. That was it. Yeah. All right, whatever. Is what it is. All right. Uh, next match was for the Raw Women's Championship. Rhea Ripley uh, challenging Oscar. Okay. This- if there's ever a reason to tune into WrestleMania, <laughs> it's Rhea Ripley. Yeah. She got. Uh, <laughs> She got the band that performs her song to play live for. So that was pretty cool. I, I, I wasn't a big fan of the performance. I thought the, the vocals sounded a little bit weak, but now yeah, that's just my opinion. But it was still cool seeing her come out to a live performance band, mm-hmm. considering that she had her big WrestleMania moments stripped away from her last year with the pandemic happening and all that shit. Right. So, yep. And then Asuka had her entrance, and her, the mask that Asuka was wearing actually looked like a Jason Voorhees mask, but with uh, 
a paint job over it, like an Oscar-esque paint job over it, which I thought was kind of cool. Oh, okay. But, yep. But yeah, this match uh, wasn't quite as good as uh, Bianca versus Sasha, but that being said, it was still a pretty damn good match. Like, I thought both, like, well, both women in this match are phenomenal wrestlers. Now, there's no, no doubt about that whatsoever. And yeah, like, for such a big stage to go on second to last on night two of WrestleMania, they, I thought they delivered. And, uh, but yeah, in the end, Rhea Ripley ended up getting the win. So Rhea Ripley is your new Raw Women's Champion. Right so, on. Good honor. Good honor. So all three women's titles uh, changed hands this weekend. And they they celebrated that on NXT. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair both came out when, uh, when uh, Raquel Gonzalez was celebrating her win. And all three of them were just holding up their titles together. And it showed a picture on the screen of all three of them back when they first signed with WWE. And yeah, it's a heartwarming moment seeing all three of them, all three of them as champions. Best Smart on. Yep, best friends and champions. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so then we get to our main event. Dun, dun, dun. For, the, dun, dun, dun. For, the, for the fourth time <laughs> of the night. <laughs> the main event again. Yeah. Yeah, so this was the triple threat match for the Universal Championship. It was Roman Reigns uh, with Jey Uso and Paul Heyman uh, defending against Royal Rumble winner Edge and Daniel Bryan. Uh, Edge actually got the loudest reaction of the night, like face, the baby face reaction. I actually wasn't expecting that from the real crowd. I thought they were actually going to like turn on him at some point. Okay. But no, Ed, Edge was the, the crowd favorite of the night. So... But yeah, this match I thought actually like it felt like a WrestleMania main event. Like it just had that like that aura to it, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, it for had sure. the spot. Yeah, it had the all the great spots. It had like oh, just all three of these guys work so well together. And there's this one really awesome spot where uh where uh, Edge put uh Roman Reigns in a Crippler crossface, like Chris Benoit's old Crippler crossface. And then while he had him in that, Daniel Bryan comes up, grabs Roman Reigns' other arm, and puts him in the yes lock. So Roman Reigns is in this cross-face yes lock combination. That section. looks like it would have sucked so much. <laughs> yeah, it would have. And like, like while Roman's in this submission hole, he can't tap out or say anything. I think the referee might have been knocked out too. I don't really uh, recall, but... Uh, yeah, Roman Reigns is just screaming in agony while Daniel Bryan and Edge are just like looking at each other, just like with these menacing glares, <laughs> like trying to both try to get uh, the champion to tap out. Uh, and I also got to say, considering that Daniel Bryan and Edge have both had broken necks, the amount of chair shots they took was a little Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, oh. Wow. Yeah, it was it was a little concerning, but like I, I don't wouldn't think they wouldn't have done it if they were if they didn't know one hundred percent that they could that they would be okay. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, yeah, and, and uh, fucking Daniel Bryan even hit his flying headbutt in this match, which he hasn't done since he came back because that was one of the biggest contributors to his concussion problems. 
So wow. that was that was a bit bit of a surprise of the night. But uh, yeah, the the ending of this match didn't come from like a finishing move or anything. There was just Roman Reigns beat the shit out of both of them with chairs, and then he put he put uh, Edge on top of Daniel Bryan. But they also made sure that Edge's shoulders were on the mat too even though the rest of his body was draped over Daniel Bryan. And then, then Roman Reigns covered both of them and won very decisively. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but without, but he had help from Jey Uso. Oh yeah, he did too. But yeah, he's a, he's a heel and it's a no disqualification match, but you expect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's one of those rare times where the heel goes over at WrestleMania. Like yeah. with the main event. Yeah. But guaranteed, Vince was like, oh, they're all going to cheer you. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he still That's, thinks Roman is like, still a... Here's half booze. Yeah. Yeah. So that, right. was, that was it? That was WrestleMania this year? Oh, yeah. oh. oh, my God. My throat is fucking dry right now. Let me tell you. <laughs> we kind of... We kind of said at the top of the hop, yeah, we'll just quickly burn through all this. But yeah, quickly burn you know through what? an hour. We'll burn later. through it an hour and a half yeah. later. Well, it's 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 WrestleMania. Like it's that it's that time of year. Every wrestling program is going to be going into extra innings because it's the Super Bowl. It's the World Series, and like. Mm-hmm. It it is it definitely is what it is, and we're not done yet. But before we no. move on, you know we still we still we still got a lot to go. So, uh, yep. but before we go on, um, what do you guys say? WrestleMania horns up, horns down, horns in the middle. Uh, more so horns up for the first night, but overall, I would give it a horns in the middle. There were some matches that I didn't really think needed to be there. Right, the, the good was really good. The bet, like the the fiend Orton match, kind of set the a bad or put a bad taste in my mouth for being the first match of the night on night two. Dave Meltzer gave that a negative one star. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't have anything personal against Meltzer. It's just hit what he does was never a thing in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, so he like, gives all me. young bucks matches five stars for super kicking. At oh, I totally get that. I totally get yeah. that. Let's see if it's if it's young bucks, Kenny Omega, or at the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, it's it's ten it's ten stars. No, yes. I get that. What about you, Ducky? What do you say? Yeah, I'm more in the middle as well. But it was, I think it was mostly up for me just because it was the first show with a crowd back, and that was cool. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, yeah. For myself, okay, I never saw it, but just from hearing you guys and from what I've taken away from it and what I've heard and all that, I obviously can't give a real opinion, but it sounds like some there's some stuff that I probably would have enjoyed. Like God help us, even bad fucking bunny mm-hmm. and all that. So I'm just gonna throw it out there in the middle. Horns in the middle. Yeah. For sure. Or like maybe like in the middle, kind of like angled upward a little bit, like like towards the corner where the ceiling meets the wall. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was it was probably better than I would have been anticipating it. Yeah, because the build for the show was so bad, but then the actual show itself happened and you're like, oh, the execution was not horrible. Actually, it was pretty good. Yeah. And then the raw after WrestleMania this year was probably one of the worst I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, 
my my biggest gripe with the Raw after WrestleMania this year is that it's a three hour show, but they didn't have AJ and almost weren't on it. The new Raw Tag Team Champions and Sheamus huh. wasn't the, the new US champ. Like wow. I don't get it. You have a three hour show and not feature two of your top titles. Yeah, and the the Raw right after Mania was always really good. Like, all, yeah. all throughout the Attitude Era and everything afterwards and all that. That was the Raw to tune into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like, because it was like uh, all these like international fans still riding their buzz from WrestleMania. Like, oh, people from all over the world, not just whatever city it's in. Like, oh, they, yeah. all bought, they all bought their big ticket packages for the entire weekend. They've been... Or more recently, they they probably have like ticket packages for like SmackDown on Fridays, and uh, yeah, or I guess not not right now, but I guess right. that like they would have like they would go to Takeover, and then they would go to WrestleMania, and then they would go to Raw, and so yeah, the the crowds for the Raw for WrestleMania are always like the best, and the there weren't any NXT call ups this year. It was just the return of Charlotte Flair and the Viking Raiders. That was it. Like, yeah. There was if, the, if they drop the fucking women's title back to Charlotte at the next pay per view, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love Charlotte, but I think it's time, you know, someone else was in the. Yeah. yeah get, let Rhea have a long reign with the oh, title. For sure. For sure. That's the only way these titles are going to mean anything. Yeah. Let with, Rhea hold it like. Them. Let Rio hold it like say six, seven months. Yeah, that's that's a that's a respectable length for a reign. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. <clears throat> well, you know what, guys? Say what we will about WrestleMania, whether or not we dug it or not, maybe it left a sour taste in everyone's mouth. Well, we are going to cleanse the palate right now because, like we said at the top of the hop. We have got our, well, it's really only our third interview, but huh, she is definitely a barn burner. So if you guys don't mind, we're going to jump into it right now. The idea behind Wrestling Night in Canada is three three individuals from the Winnipeg hard music scene that all, all kind of came together through the love of pro wrestling. So mm-hmm. it could only be so like, why not get, you know, a, an interview that kind of touches on a little bit of both. And with WrestleMania season upon us, now is the time for something like that. I don't know how familiar YouTube guys are because they might have been a little bit before your times, but. In the mid-80s and a little bit into the 90s as well was the heyday of the Florida thrash band Nasty Savage. Right. That's when I had first heard of vocalist, frontman, and all-around crazy dude Nasty Ronnie. Okay, I'd been a fan of Nasty Savage for a little while. And then I noticed one of these times I picked up uh, an issue of All-Star Wrestling and there was this huge article, this huge pictorial on what's going on in the Florida Territory at that moment. This was about 1980. 
seven, I want to say. There was Kevin Sullivan, Blackjack Mulligan, Barry Windham was in there, Bob Bob Roop, um, the the person that unfortunately would live on in infamy as Nancy Benoit, but she was known as a woman and got her first her first exposure in that territory where there was this huge angle going on you know including all of these people and kevin sullivan brought in one nasty ronnie so when i opened up that issue and i was flipping through it and i saw oh my god holy shit that's net right there look look right there fuck that's 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 nasty ronnie from nasty savage in a wrestling magazine Well, being a fan of both, I just devoured that article. (laughs) And fast forward many years later, I being, you know, for the last 14 years, being the host of of our sister program, Radioactive Metal, and doing this, it's WrestleMania season. Oh, we have to get Mr. Nasty Ronnie on the horn to talk to both shows so without further ado i'm just going to um put it over to mr nasty ronnie as he gets into everything all about the band and what he was doing in you know the whole florida territory and what he's doing now with his TV program. Like, this is a bucket list interview. Dude had lots to say, and we are absolutely thrilled to give interview number three with none other than Nasty Ronnie. But first and foremost, I always start off when I have a subject such as yourself. You've been around, you've done it all, you've seen it all. When you hear the word a legendary, the legendary Nasty Savage. What's the first thing that pops into your head? Uh, you know, uh, that's a big word, legendary, I, I guess, because we put in the time from the 80s, you know, and we survived and we keep, we're still playing. But legendary is a, a loose word that other people use. I don't use it to describe Nasty Savage because I'm too worried about tomorrow rather than what we've done in the past. Mm-hmm. And a legend, legendary is, is, is a big word, but, you know, it, it's an honor when people can say legendary because, you know, we have, I guess, had a legendary career, legendary stage shows, legendary albums and music, but that's up to the fans and, and the media and the press to, uh, to decide who's legendary and who's not. Definitely, definitely. Sometimes I think it's, it's just a word like guys like myself throw around. And all that. So yeah, fair enough. No, it's it's cool to be recognized. You know, like I said, to be recognized because um, you know you can't be legendary if you just started out. You know, we're very fortunate that we we have a track record and survived the old school metal days. You know, and and you know we're here today. And you know, like eight from eighty nineteen eighty two to twenty twenty one. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a run. Definitely, definitely, and we got a lot. <laughs> To talk about, not only are you on Radioactive Metal right now, but this interview is going to be um, handed in and given to our listeners at Wrestling Night in Canada. So we're going to be covering both and all that. So I guess maybe the first thing we want to discuss is 
What did you discover first as a fan, heavy metal or pro wrestling? Um, heavy metal or what? What like what did you discover first, metal or pro wrestling? Oh, actually, it was pro wrestling, man. I moved to Florida when I was like ten years old, and I um, was living at my aunt's house while our home was getting built. My mom's sisters in Brandon, Florida, and uh, they used to watch wrestling from Florida, pro wrestling. And, you know, pro wrestling from Florida, I mean, was one of the greatest wrestling. Um, that was when there were territories in, in the country. And Florida was a hotbed. And I quickly bought into it. I quickly, you know, couldn't wait to watch it episodically every single week. Uh, and then there was a wrestler, Dusty Rhodes, the, great, the American Dream, who was actually a bad guy. And then he, he um, turned into a good guy and when he turned into a good guy against Pac Song and Gary Hart and the, the real vicious villains, he became the American dream, the son of a plumber, you know, it's a and it was unbelievable the what he sparked in the fans and the people, the plumber's son, you know, the the American dream, you know, just the common man. And man, he just he lit it up and there was something about Dusty Rhodes that I just I just loved. Man, he was the people's champion. He was the people, and he was you know charismatic. And I, I think that influenced me so much that I just bought into wrestling more and more and more. I used to go to the Armory in Tampa. And I was a big wrestling fan, and and you know I used to watch wrestling with my mom because she loved it. Every Saturday night at seven o'clock it would come on. So you know on a Saturday night my friends would want to go out and party and all this, and they had their cars in high school, and I'd say you know what. Don't come pick the clock when wrestling's over. So, um, but I was a student of the game. I studied it. I felt it, you know, the drama, you know, just the angles, the hype, and how at the end of the show they do this one thing to make you come back for next week or maybe to get you to come out to the uh, to the um, um, the wrestling shows, you know, to come out to the event to, to see the matches. It was, it was an amazing uh, – and then they'd have – great wrestlers that would come through the circuit that would come into Florida. It was a hotbed in wrestling. And man, I tell you what, I loved wrestling and I watched it, um, you know, every single week and I went to the matches and, you know, it, we just enjoyed it. So I was in the, I was in the heavy, I mean, I was in the wrestling way before heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of my situation as well. I'm up here in Winnipeg, Canada and I discovered pro wrestling in 79 with the old AWA territory, you know, a good, a good couple of years before discovering heavy music myself, you would eventually move in to the business, I guess, around the mid eighties. The first time I saw you was in, um, a magazine, an all-star wrestling mag magazine. Um, how did you, what was your first um, foray into the world of professional? Well, you know, um, I I got into it in the 70s, early 70s, you know, uh, 71. I just started watching it. I watched a little bit in New York before I left with Bruno Sammartino, Pedro Morales. You know, Bruno, you know, it, what wrestling is missing nowadays, I think, is, is a hero and a villain. You know, you know that's the bad guy, and, and he's a bad guy, and you hate the bad guy, and you want the hero to win. And they put these situations where, you know, you, you support the hero. And, you know, there's a lot of things I'll get into with wrestling and how it works. But um, 
you know, I I got into um, Nasty Savage in the 80s, so 82 or so, uh, started Nasty Savage. And I was a, I was still a wrestling fan. So what is Nasty Savage? Nasty Savage was a mix between pro wrestling meets Jim Morrison meets Slayer, you know, meets the original thrash, you know, contemporary music that we created ourselves. I didn't, I really didn't like singing Judas Priest or Scorpions and shit like that. So I said, you know what, let's just do original music, man. Cause that way no one can, no one can judge us. No one can judge me. So, um, we created Nasty Savage and I mean, we busted out with Nasty Savage and Brandon, Florida, uh, and just was like, no one saw anything like this before because we didn't follow anybody. We, we paved our way. We forged our way and just mayhem, crazy shit, crazy concerts, smashing TVs, riding out to the stage on Harley, setting up shows. And one of the first gigs we did was a, a, a side yard of my friend's house in the Brandon subdivision. And, um, you know, I happened to ride out right through the crowd on a Harley, got out, got on the stage. So, you know, we, we created the mayhem and then we went into the first album and did all this. And, um, we, I was backstage one time in Lakeland at a Judas Priest and Iron Maiden concert. And I was like, damn, I brought t-shirts and everything I was going to give to the band. And I was really marking out. So I was backstage and I'm looking and I go, Oh my God, that's Kevin Sullivan, the Prince of darkness. One of my favorite wrestlers. Cause he's evil and had the, you know, Mayha sing the purple haze. He had, you know, all these, uh, Billy superstar Graham or, you know, it just had all the evil wrestlers and I loved it because it was that darkness, you know, he just had everybody on it as far as a villain and a heel, the greatest. And he was a smart booking agent and he was part of the business, you know? So I said, Oh my God, it's Kevin Sullivan. Man. I'm going to give him the t-shirts. Fuck it. Screw it. So I, uh, I went up to him and said, man, you don't know how big of a fan I am. I love wrestling. I'm, I'm nasty Ronnie from nasty Savvy. He's like, yeah, whatever, man. And I go, well, here, I'd like to give you this. I go, I'd like to get involved in wrestling. You know, back in those days, you tell a wrestler that they're like, get the hell out of here. Who the hell are you? This is a secretive business. Not anybody can, can get into wrestling, you know? Mm. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Oh, damn. So I was like, damn. He goes, well, come see me at the uh, Sportatorium. That's where they would do their TV tapings, I think, on a on a Wednesday and then they do the matches on the next Tuesday and the show would come on on Sunday on Saturday night. So I went right the next day. It was the next, that next Tuesday or t Wednesday. I went to the sportatorium and I was like, man, I'm here to see Kevin Sullivan, you know, and they wouldn't let me in the, you know, in the, in the dressing room or the office door. And, you know, he, so he came out, I go, he came out and just opened the door a little crack. He said, Hey brother, he goes, just wait, I'll talk to you later. So I waited and waited and waited all the wrestlers. It was over. It was gone. And he peeks out again. He goes, look, man, he goes, I don't have time today. He goes, um, come to the matches uh, Saturday night. We're, we're in, we're in uh, Sarasota or somewhere. So I, I drove down to Sarasota an hour drive just to get to meet him. You know, and I was persistent and the same thing happened. He just went out after the matches got in his car and pretty much gave me a few moments and just kind of blew me off. And, and, um, and that was that. I said, damn. So I went to the next matches again. I kept, you know, I said, look, man, I'm playing this Saturday night with Nasty Savage at Ruby's Pub right here in Tampa. If you guys come to the come to my show, you'll see what I'm all about. 
and you know, and we're on stage at Ruby's Pub. The mayhem was it was just unbelievable back in the early '80s. It was like a wave, a wave of mayhem and thrashers stage diving and a hot little club. But man, the people were just on fire. You know, just like and all of a sudden, I look and I see them walk in the door. Kevin Sullivan, Bob Rufus, Mayhaw Singh, Purple Haze, and Sir Oliver Humperdinck, and they go to the back of this thing. And they witnessed the mayhem. They witnessed me commanding the crowd and the, the power of the music. And, you know, so after the show, they go, brother, because you have, you've got it, bro. He goes, we definitely want to get together. And because they saw me perform, they were like, here, give me a call tomorrow. And they, they opened their door to me and I got involved with them. So I'm like, okay, well, how can I add value? One thing he wanted to do, he goes, hey, man, he goes, can you bring those flash bombs that you had on stage to our show in Daytona? We're opening up the Civic Center for the first show ever. was a big triple chance cage match with a blackjack mulligan and Habuda Dean, and the, the guys were coming in with the snakes and all this shit. So I was going to be part of the entourage because I was bringing these, and all the way to Daytona is a two-hour drive. I said, heck, yeah, I'll be there. So we go. And uh, we do the flash bombs when they came out. I was part of the the intro and entourage, got in the ring. And, you know, I didn't know really what the hell I was doing. But I I, I, I fit right in because of the mayhem and, you know, the, the awe and shock. So I did that and I got to be more friends with them. And, you know, they started saying, hey, this guy's got some stuff to offer. So I said, look, you know what you really need to do, Kevin? you need to come with me to Vandekar's house. This is the guy who paints our album covers. I go, you need to come with me to Vandekar's. This guy's amazing. He's got a big gargoyle on the roof of the concrete house. And, you know, it's like, it'd be perfect to film the Prince of Darkness's house or whatever. I was just throwing ideas. He goes, okay. So he came with a film crew. We met and we went out to Vandekar's. And he was like, oh, my God, Nasty. He goes, this is awesome. So we did the intro with these gargoyles in the front of the house with these crazy, I don't know, satanic-looking statues and shit. And uh, he had these giant Great Danes and stuff. This is just evil, you know, evil-looking. But Bendico was really a nice guy. Anyway, so he goes, okay, Nasty, I want you to be part of this. And a woman was there, too, uh, who ended up marrying Kevin and then married Chris Benoit. And unfortunately, it was murdered with the uh, Benoit thing. Anyway, but, you know, woman was awesome back then. She was part of Kevin's entourage, and she was there as well. So we did the opening of Championship Wrestling from Florida. I mean, this is the show everybody watches. And he goes, I'm here today. This is the house of the Prince of Darkness, and I'm here with Nasty Ronnie from Nasty Stuff. These are the people we hang out with. These are the people you know, nasty savage. And he put me over on TV. So I'm like, oh, shoot. So I was like, damn. So once that happened, I just started going like to the local wrestling, uh, like Malenko, Boris Malenko's wrestling school. Sometimes they'd have Carl Gotch come in. They'd bring J Japanese wrestlers that were training, would train with Carl Gotch at Malenko's school. I went to Malenko's school, and there I saw this kid working out with the girls because he wouldn't let him work out with the guys. And it was, uh, the one, two, three kids, Sean, you know, who was one of the guys who at the time you had to be big and, you know, he was a smaller guy, but he paved the way for larger, uh, for smaller guys to get over in wrestling. 
and he turned out to be a mega star for a while. You know, one, two, three kid was, was unbelievable worker. And then he went into, you know, what he did with the WWE and all that. But I watched so many people, you know, that were training at Malenko's that went on because it was an unbelievable wrestling school. So I started training a little bit there and I started managing for Malenko and, you know, Malenko would go, Hey kid, in the land of the blind, one eye is king. You know, he'd tell you just the stuff that you're being around Malenko is so cool. And I started managing with him. And one night I said, hey, uh, man, do I get a payoff tonight? He goes, hey, kid, good job. And he gave me five bucks, you know, for being a manager. But, you know, if you didn't ask, you never got it. So from there, I started doing my own shows. and I became a wrestling promoter. And I worked with this guy, Playboy Jeff James, and we'd run this thing at the Harbor Club. And we ended up having, like, sometimes 200 people would come to see these matches. And I'd use the pick of the litter of all these different guys from the wrestling schools. And everybody wanted to work. And uh, one night, we were there in the Harbor Club. Rocky Johnson comes in. And he goes, hey, everybody, this is I'm Rocky Johnson. Goes, oh, my God, we know it's Rocky Johnson. He goes, but I want to introduce you to my son. This is Rocky. He's going to be a – he's uh, playing football right now in Miami, but he's going to be a big-time wrestling star someday. And, we were, and, and Rocky came and bowed his head and shook everybody's hand very politely, like, hey, brother, nice to meet you, nice to meet you, you know, just like giving ultimate respect. And uh, those are some of the things we saw, you know? And um, so, you know, it just started moving and moving more and more. One night I was doing a wrestling show and uh, at a place called The Crossroads. And I was the promoter, the booker. Hell, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew what I was doing because, you know why? Because I was a student of the game in the school of watching championship wrestling from Florida. And I understood the angles and the drama and how to get people over, you know? So um, I, I, I saw this one guy. I said, dude, you are the total package here, brother. I go, I'm booking you at the next show. And um, so I had him booked. And then I got a call. I forget what he was, the name, his name then, but he called me up and he goes, uh, uh, Mr. Galetti, he goes, I'm sorry, I can't make that show. Uh, you booked me on Saturday night. I go, oh, no worries, brother. I go, what happened? He goes, well, I got called up to the WWE. And you know who that was? His name was Glenn. And he was, um, oh shit. Uh, what's the guy with the, with the mask and the red, big red machine? Uh, Glenn. Yeah, Kane. That was Kane. But I knew when I saw him that this guy was money, you know, and and he was he was polite enough, even though he got the big contract and he was going to the W. He was smart enough, with respect, to call me and say, "Hey, I'm sorry, I can't make that gig." Right on, right on. Well, yeah, that's so, what it's all about. Yeah. So, yeah, so you know, the wrestling thing took off, and by then I was kind of done with Nasty Savage. So in the nineties. It started, and I, I, I took it into the, you know, I did wrestling for a while with, with heavy metal and all that, and then I started working with Luna Vachon, and I started managing Locke and Luna, who were part of Kevin Sullivan's deal, and, you know, it's just, just a, a lot of crazy stuff happened, and I just kept rolling with it. My friend, uh, Bill Auden, was a big-time uh, wrestling photographer, still is, but he worked for a lot of Japanese magazines, and the Japanese loved some of the shows I was putting on because I was doing hardcore wrestling. 
And uh, man, they love. They go, we like the Messy Runny Show, Messy Runny Show. And Bill would come out with Jimmy Suzuki, and they would they would shoot pictures, and yeah, we'd get in Japan and all this stuff. I, I managed the Blackhearts. Um, you know, we did some great stuff there. Jim Neidhart approached me, and he was running shows, and where I was booking for Jim Neidhart, he didn't know what the hell he was doing. You know, and he he's it was just funny because he's more of a party dude, but he was a great wrestler and you know, had a great name. But when it came to booking, I said. Jim, let me handle this for you. So I was booking for Jim Neidhart. We booked, and then you know he would bring in the Junkyard Dog, uh, Davy Boy Smith, and the British Bulldogs. I mean, we had some of the greatest talent to work with, and it was amazing that uh, I was getting to work with these guys in the black. And I would bring in guys for the undercard, and they loved that that they didn't have to pay a bunch of money to all these top guys, and they could get these undercard guys that would work a lot cheaper. So I was always a company man trying to save the company money, trying to be valuable. And you got to do that anything in life. So then one day I was doing a wrestling show uh, in Tampa and this guy approached me, Eddie Mansfield, who is a legendary uh, wrestler, really fire, um, a fire uh, baby face. He was really uh, had a lot of fire, but Eddie was also involved in the 2020 deal with uh, Stossel where he exposed the business. So Eddie Mansell was blackballed in the business, you know, for all those years um, because he exposed the business, which Vince McMahon ended up doing too, and everybody else has. So um, Eddie approached me and said, hey, Nasty Ronnie, I like what you're doing. I'd like you to work with me at Universal Studios. I want you to be a part of what we're doing. I need a good manager. I said, well, Eddie, I'm more than a damn manager, buddy. So uh, we got together. We started doing IWF wrestling tapings every week. I would bring a carload of guys from Tampa from the wrestling school over to the school in, in Orlando. And Eddie would check these guys out and say, you know what? I'll make you the Mongolian stumper. You're going to, I brought nasty Ned Brady, one of the best workers. He made him the possessor. First, he was the repo man. So when we first started out, he was the repo man and I was corresponding back and forth with the WWF at the time and JJ Dillon to try to get a job there. And I told him, yeah, I'm working with this Eddie Manson. We got this gimmick. I'm managing the repo man. Next thing you know, WWF, uh, trademarked the name, the repo man. And they sent us a letter, cease and desist and all that shit. And it was a big thing that, uh, I was like trying to hurt the company. I said, no, 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 no. We got through that. We changed Nasty Ned, who was the repo man. We changed him to the possessor. And then I had the Nasty organization. And we, I ended up co-producing over 200 episodes of the IWF Wrestling. And we just, you know, we worked with the DeLorean from Back to the Future. We brought this guy in Max the Eliminator. We had Mondo Clean. Uh, we brought in Greg Valentine. So here's Eddie Manso, there's Black Ball from the business. Everybody was calling and wanting to work now. They were like, oh, my God, can I get hired? Can I get hired? And we'd work with Beetlejuice, you know, and, and I was over so much. We had Twisted Sister. And so then we had guys like Thunder and Lightning, these big muscle dudes who went on the WCW for a while, and they got over pretty good. And one of them was worked as Sting. It was the, the secondary Sting. And then um, the guys, we, I brought in Rob Van Dam from Georgia when he was just a real polite guy, kid. I said, Eddie, I got this guy, Rob Van Dam. He's really talented. So we were able to work with Rob Van Dam. And then we had these two guys named uh, Brett and Colt. Brett and uh, Kip. And Kip turned out to be Mr. Ass. Um, you know, and then 
what happened is Brett Colt ended up when they went to the WWF. He's the guy who knocked out Dr. Death in the, in a street fight thing that they were doing that boxing thing. And it was a big surprise because he was a shooter from Malenko school. But anyway, they were the, the long riders. They were the big baby faces for us. They come out on horses and it was Brett Colt and Kip Winchester. And there was like, their tagline was excellent. Eddie was such a good mind. He said, if the cult don't get you, the Winchester will. And that was their tagline, you know? And then they went to the WWF and came out to be the smoking guns who were over big time. They were big time over. And it was really cool uh, helping talent pass on to the next level. And that's what we do. We take green guys from a wrestling school and we turn them into monsters and heroes and villains. And then people would pay to come see them. It was kind of magical, you know, and, and that's where I started getting the, the power of television and, you know, wow, this is pretty powerful. And, and, you know, and, and then I was like the fashion player of the IWF people can Google nasty Ronnie IWF wrestling. There's three or four or five different promo reels of some of the stuff we were doing. I got to work with blackjack Mulligan. We had a bounty on blackjack. I had matches with blackjack, um, I had the Mongolian Stomper, which is amazing talent. Um, so we do these things like if uh, Blackjack wins, he gets five minutes in the ring with me. And, uh, of course, on the way to the matches, I would go buy a, a suit or something at the Goodwill, and I'd take a razor blade and I'd slice it up, you know, so it's easily torn off me and shit. You know, so, you know, I was a thinker. I did, people didn't have to tell me what to do. I added that value. And anything you do in life, man, you got to seize the moment, seize the opportunity. So, um, I would help get blackjack over and, you know, we did all kinds of angles and, but I was really put over in a good, in a good way. And then Bill Otten, the photographers would always come do pictures on us, you know? So it, it was fun, you know? And, and then one other story I'll tell you is, um, I started doing these shows where like you sell a wrestling show to an event place or to a bar. And then I'd bring in wrestling entertainment for an hour or two and we'd do a wrestling show. And I used to work with, um, that bike week, I would bring it to the Iron Horse Saloon. The guy Billy Stevens on the on the Iron Horse Saloon in Ormond Beach. So every year we do wrestling shows, and I bring in hardcore wrestling, you know, and they're just cool characters. There's this one guy who um, he was like an Elvis gimmick, and he was could sing Elvis and look like Elvis so good. So I'd have him start the show and sing the national anthem. And then I'd have this big heel come out and mess with him and power slam him, you know, right after. And people would go, what the heck? Oh, my God. And that would just start out the show. So, you know, just all, you know, just brutal, hardcore stuff that went on to go with uh, IPW and people like that with Ron Neamey, you know, just hardcore stuff in, in Tampa Bay. But one night I was doing an all-female show. I was working with a lady named Liz Chase who had a female wrestling school, and she was old school like Moolah. Mm -hmm. And um, she would bring in these great prospects, and I started bringing them into Tampa. We did the wrestling shows at the Born to Ride Saloon, and there's where Jimmy Zazuki and all them would come because they'd want to see these new female phenoms that are big time, some of them trained in Japan, and then I'd figure out which ones were so, really important and popular, and I'd book them on my show because I knew they would come out and cover it. So um, we're doing this big wrestling show, all female. This guy from Denmark, Ernest Van Gelder, was a big wrestling mark, and he was a lady wrestling mark. 
he paid for all the girls. He paid for the whole show just so he could come hang out with all the wrestling chicks for this match. I was like, oh, shit, yeah. And plus the guy paid for the show at the bar. So it was, it was awesome. And uh, Liz would be happy because I'd use her students. Um, so this one girl named Joni <clears throat> sent me a letter and said, look, I want to work this show. And I was like, wow, this girl is muscular as hell. I said, she is unbelievable. I said, I said, Liz, book her too. So she came in and we get to the matches and I'm starting to go over the booking, what's going to happen and this and that. And I look at this girl, Joni, and I go, this girl's the franchise, man. She's going to get over. And at the end, she's going to do this and she's going to turn. And, you know, I just knew that she was going to be involved in several matches. And at the end, she was going to be the big star of the night. And you know, that was, that was, that was, um, um, Joni, who was, um, what's that big China? Yeah, it was China. And I go, Oh my God. But this before China, but I saw in her, like I did with Glenn from, you know, the, the other guy that went on to be Kane. I, I saw it right when I saw her, I said, this girl's the franchise. And, um, she called me a week later and she goes, I can't thank you enough for, for what you did for me. And, you know, but I just got a call from the WWE and I'm going to the WWE or WWF at the time. And, it's it's things like that, you know, in wrestling, when you're part of a, a crew or a business or a company, that how you treat people with respect and help them. And it's a small world, man, you know? And mm-hmm. I was just, I was like, wow, I just worked with that. Like last year in the WWE, when they did the Hall of Fame stuff, I think there was four or five wrestlers that were in, inducted into the Hall of Fame that I actually worked with. And it was just unbelievable, you know, that I was touched by some of these stars that are actually in the WWE Hall of Fame. And um, so that's that's how I really got with wrestling. And I never stopped, you know, and then we got back in the Nasty Savage. And and then again, with the Born to Ride stuff, that's where I um, that's where I found the, the power of of television, because one thing I did for Eddie Mansfield, you talk about bringing a value to somebody. Um, one night I was at a dinner party with my wife and my wife sold insurance and, um, she goes, Oh, this is Roger, Kathy's husband. He's a CEO at Nestle. And I said, Nestle, I said, Roger, do I have an idea for you? He goes, what would that be? I go, check this out. The IWF wrestling Nestle Crunch of the Week, man. And we'll go, now let's go to the Crunch of the Week. And boom, you know, then there it is. He goes, hey, man, I like that idea. He goes, give me a proposal on that. I said, yes, sir. And I walked away going, what the hell is a proposal? I didn't even know. But within about 30 days, I had him signed to a $50,000 proposal. And he bought into it. But I learned the biggest lesson in business from that because I put it in Eddie Mansfield's hands. And... And it was time to re-up after 13 weeks or so. And he goes, hey, Nasty, go get that. Go get the money again, you know. I'm like, okay. So I said, hi, Roger. And Roger said, you know what, I think I'm going to pass. I go, what? He goes, yeah, we're going to go in a different direction. So right then and there, I realized that if you sell somebody something, a corporate client or any any client, you better give them the service they desire and deserve. And that's what was missing. I turned it over and I didn't give it kid gloves to make sure they were happy and all the things that could have happened. So I learned a big lesson there in business 
that if you sell somebody something, you better back it up because it's not about the quick dollar. It's about the long-term dollar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Building relationships, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You mentioned the Hall of Fame, and just from what happened just a couple of days ago as we speak, how surreal is it, like, Ozzy Osbourne is now in the Wrestling Hall of Fame? <laughs> wow. I mean, uh, you know, I, I really think some of the the Hall of Fame stuff is to put wrestlers in that are still wrestlers. And I mean, I'm, I'm not that I've really kind of lost interest in the WWF or WWE now, because it's just, it's really hard to come up with characters like stone cold, Steve Austin, or, um, you know, uh, the rock, you know, I mean, damn, there's guys in WrestleMania that you're like, who, why, you know, you're like, it, it's a shame, you know, Brett, the Hitman Hart, you know, you know, all the guys who are iconic wrestling characters through the years, it's, it's really getting harder to get these guys. And, um, and now you got somebody like Ozzy Osbourne and the, I mean, why, you know, I mean, I love Ozzy and everything. I think he's an iconic, uh, legend, legendary rock and roll, heavy metal guy. And it's, it's a, it's great that he's still alive and, you know, like Keith Richards and everybody else, but I don't understand. Oh, let's just throw him in there because it's a good name and get himself over and we could help. I, I just think they're missing the mark on some of the guys that really deserve it, you know, and, and if you look back at it, um, I don't even know all the guys that are in it, but when I heard some of them, I'm like, wow, how does that even add up? Um, mm. You know, the, the, the marquee says wrestling, and these are Hall of Famers who have done stuff in wrestling, and now you're going to give it to somebody who just might have touched a little bit of wrestling? like putting me in the hall of fame or something for a reason you know but you know it's just it doesn't make sense well i think if there was ever a heavy metal hall of fame i think um nasty savage would definitely be worthy of going in for sure (laughs) that would be a that would be a total honor for sure and actually we are in the heavy metal hall of fame in tampa bay oh several years ago we got put into that there we go whatever that's worth Uh, (laughs) it's an honor it's an honor for sure when someone, you know, acknowledges you like that. Yeah. When was the last time you spoke to Kevin Sullivan? Uh, you know what? It's been a few years, actually. You know what? He, um, he used my, I used to wear this like shoulder pads with the spikes and the breastplate and all this crazy, nasty, savage armor. And he borrowed it and never gave it back, you know? So it's probably been, several years, five years or so that I just kind of touched base with him at a show or somewhere I saw him, but, you know, I think he's living down in Miami or, or the Keys right now. And, you know, Sir Oliver Humperdinck passed away. And, but, you know, I had some great memories um, hanging out with those guys. One time we were in his apartment and well, they lived in Tampa and he was like the booker. And I remember a conversation with him on the phone with King Curtis and they're talking booking. And this is when I, I was still kind of a mark for wrestling. But um, I remember the, the, the angles and the way he was talking about how you keep it going. And so, you know, this is an angle that's going to last couple, a month or two. And this is, you know, it's harder to do that now with the Internet and everything. But it was old school booking and wrestling. And, you know, I got to be around some of that really precious precious moments of uh where i always learned you know then for a while too i was working with a a company called the nwf and it was uh, out of new york and they would come into florida 
and they would run these shows, these paid shows. And then I would, um, I, I would uh, be the booking agent for the local guys, get the ring, the referee, and all that stuff. And I got to work with, uh, you know, Sergeant Slaughter and D.C. Drake, Mad Dog D.C. Drake, you know, these guys from New Jersey and New York. And it was really cool because I, I was put in these positions that I had to deliver. And um, it was really cool. I mean, I mean we had – also, there was, there was such great talent in Florida. And one of the guys was Raul Mata you know, a Mexican wrestler uh, who is real popular in California. And he came to Florida and man, on TV, they just jobbed him out all the time, but he'd always get guys over and put them over. But man, in the local shows, man, he would just tear it up. And I'd book him as much as I could because I always try to get good talent, you know, to work. And nowadays everybody's got a wrestling school and everybody's backyard wrestling and they don't even have wrestling gear and they're killing the business and you know it's just hardcore stuff or it's crazy man like some of these guys getting into the ring they're doing these high spots you know like oh let's get in the ring and do a triple flip before the match starts and the old timer on the other side of the ring's going man what are you doing man that was kind of should be your finish rather than getting started mm -hmm. and what what I see with wrestling these days is there's no real psychology uh, with most of it. it. It's they work way too fast. Look at Billy Superstar Graham or Dusty Rhodes or you know the old school wrestling guys that that were methodical and took your took their time or Hulk Hogan. You know he'd go to punch somebody, but he'd stop and look at the crowd, and then he the crowd would go, yeah, do it. And then he'd go, boom. And then he'd look at him again, and they go, boom. You know, they were right on the edge of their seat, you know, to, to and then the hero would go down again, you know, and then they, they, it's a roller coaster of emotion, what wrestling is. It's vaudeville at its greatest. It's performing arts. It's power. It's, it's athleticism and it's personality. And when you have it all, man, I mean, I, I'm the booker and I book a match. I could sit in the back and hear the crowd to see when the finish goes properly. And it's like a crescendo and they go, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, boom. And you know, that, that worked good because I booked it to do that. And it, it's always awesome. And so the, the formula that I had and we stuck to, and most people are smart enough in the old days is you piss them off on TV that means you you screw the you screw the baby face, you screw the good guy, and you attack them. You do all this stuff right when they're in their uh, the highest moment. Then you take them down, and then you say Tuesday night I'm coming back. I'm going to get you back. And then Tuesday night when they come to see you, you put the baby face over and you send the people out of that building happy, because if you piss them off. You know, they're going to get pissed. But if you keep them happy, they're going to tune right back in. And then you do it again. And it's a cycle of emotion that you bring them back to the, you know, you bring them back to the, to the, to the, uh, the house shows. And it's really all about psychology. It's nothing but that. It's putting people in place to do a job or to play a role or to be that character. And that's what's missing from wrestling these days. You know, too much TV, too much pay-per-view, too much everything. And, I mean, there's some great talent out there. Some of the women wrestlers are just unbelievable, but Amazing. they need to slow it down. You know, so they have this school. If you have the same guys training every single person, they're going to all kind of work the same. I think they got to mix it all up a little bit more, and they really need to go back to working psych psychology because – 
the athleticism is good, but if you don't have the psychology, all you're doing is bing, 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 bing. And, you know, like, you don't need to punch that fast. You don't need to move. You know, just slow it down. And Because when you're in the ring, uh, the lights on you in that ring, you look larger than life anyhow. It's like big guys. Big guys should work a certain way. Big guys shouldn't be doing all this bing, bing, bing stuff. They should be doing punching and kicking and doing strength moves to show their strength, like Andre the Giant matches and, you know, big man matches. And you can get over that way. But when you have a big guy trying to do drop kicks and all this, you know, it's just you don't need to do it. I think uh, smart booking agents uh, just need to work within the talent, get the most out of their talent. And, you know, that was the fun and the challenge that I always tried to do is, I always just tried to think, okay, if I'm a fan, how am I going to get pissed or how am I going to be happier? How am I going to be shocked or surprised? You know, that's all it is. You're taking people on a trip. That's what I do at Nasty Savage. I take people on a trip. Right on, right on. Yeah, yeah. I'm of the old school mentality myself, and everything you said is just bang on. I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to get into a little bit of some Nasty Savage here as well. Um, maybe kind of give an update on what's going on in the camp now. Well, you know, actually, Quentin, we just played a concert Saturday night, the first one in about a year and a half to two years. And we played in Tampa at the Brass Mug. And... Um, it was unbelievable. There's some good opening acts, but, um, man, it was so good to get back on stage right now. We have a really, really good band. It's David Austin, uh, and myself, the original members. And we have this, this ripper, uh, guitarist, Pete Sykes is just the greatest guy and just 100% all in. And, um, Jim Coker's on drums. He played with us, for several, several years and did some shows in Europe and different gigs, you know, when we had these festivals, Jim's been with us. And then we have Scotty Carino on bass and he was in a local band Fester and he was also, uh, did a little bit with Chuck and Death for a while. And uh, he's just an unbelievable bass player and we're known to have different bass players all the time. But the unit we have right now is uh, we enjoy each other and we respect each other and there's never arguments. There's never bad times. It's always positive. And Dave and I pretty much the bosses and we run it and, you know, we make everything happen and those guys back it all up. And it's, it's really awesome to play with these guys. And, um, we actually played a new song, an instrumental that's just mind blowing called the sixth finger. And, uh, you know, it's something that Pete had a big, part of writing it and David, but Pete really brought, brought it, brought it to us. And, uh, you know, it's instrumental and if there's videos of the show all over Facebook or Google or YouTube, a lot of photos and stuff. But, um, I had this girl come out called the unchained, had to be the unchained angel. You know, I used to have Luna come out and do triple X and stuff. So this girl uh, came out with this, uh, really cool get up on for unchained angel. And, and then she came out in triple X as well. And of course I was smashing TV sets and, you know, just chains and mannequins and, you know, it was, everybody was blown away with the show. I don't know. It's because the COVID 
kept everybody down so long and everybody wanted to get out and do something. But one thing I, there's about 400 people in this club. It was, it was unbelievable. And so many people are raving about the show because we give an impact, you know, but one, one thing that I noticed is a lot of younger metal kids, even death metal kids were there and we sold a ton of merchandise, but I think we, we played, um, last year, year before with Maniacal Waste, or is that the name of it? Municipal. I mean, I'm sorry, Municipal Waste. We got to play with those guys. They came in the town, they were Nasty Savage fans. They said, dude, what will it take for you to open up for us? And there's other bands on the bill, so we, we were pretty high on the bill, I think right before them. But man, we got exposed to probably, uh, I don't know, four or 500 people that night. And some of these people were kids who've never seen us before. You know, um, so that, I think that had uh, something to do with it. And then our friends in obituary honored us in a, in that video. I don't know if you've seen it, but a thousand ways to die. I think it's called or something. The animated, um, the animated thing. And they tribute, they did a tribute to nasty savage with unchained angel. And that has millions and millions of hits, you know, and views. And I think just those two things. And then us keeping up in the, in, you know, in, on social media and, doing interviews like this and, you know, get, just getting out there more. It really added to uh, a <clears throat> nasty savage 2021. <clears throat> we were actually booked to go to um, Rio de Janeiro. We we're going to play with Venom Inc there and in May, and we we're going to go to um, Amsterdam, Holland and Belgium for some shows. And the, of course they all got canceled, but uh, two years ago or whenever, right before COVID, we did the we headlined the metal fest at um, um, Santiago, Chile. We got to play there in front of mayhem fans, man, people who love heavy metal, and it's so great to be around. The universal language is music, is passion, is is relating to people. You know, we played in, and then before that, we played in uh, Peru, Lima, Peru metal fest. So it's so cool, man, to go to these different countries and, and people know your music and they sing along and they, and you take the time to meet the people and hang out, take the pictures. And I, I love it. You know, I really love connecting with people and it's music that brings us together. It doesn't matter if you're white, you're black, you're red, you're, it doesn't matter who you are, man. It, it's, it's about coming together as people and get away from all the bullshit that we have to deal with. Metal will, will bring us together. And I love that because it's a common ground, you know, it's, it, it's, it's what brings people together. Music, metal, you know, educated fans, give those people the time they deserve. They're your fans, man. And I remember when I was trying to meet Slayer or Ozzy and, you know, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, we used to go meet every single band when they played in Tampa or Lakeland Civic Center. We'd always get to meet them, kiss, you know, whatever. And I always have the Kerrang magazine. I get them to sign it. But I remember that moment when I got to meet the people and they were cool enough to give us one moment or a little bit of time. So I'll, I'll never forget that. I, I know how important it is when someone's your fan. Yeah. Give them the time of day, man. Talk to them, ask them questions. And, you know, I'll always do that. And if anything, Nasty Savage has always been about the people, you know, and the, the, the fans because, you want to make their day, not only on stage, but but when you get a chance to meet them. I mean, 
we did a tour with DRI and Sick of It All in 1990. We did 60 shows in 65 days across America, from LA, Chicago, Detroit, New York, Texas. We even went to Canada, you know, all Florida, Georgia. Um, and it was a low budget tour for us. So I would say, hey man, by the way, we're looking for a place to stay tonight if anybody's got a place, you know? And everybody, you know, there's always someone who come, man, stay at my house, please, please. And it didn't matter if it was South Central LA in a cold slab floor and uh, this cold ass floor, hard, or it was in New York City somewhere, or we were with our fans who loved us the most, you know? And then, or, or be, hey, my dad's out of town and here we are in Houston, Texas. He's in the oil industry. And we go to this giant mansion, you know, we just never knew. And it was, it was so awesome. You know, they'd have a sign on the walls and all the people would come over from the neighborhoods. And, you know, we, we made friends forever that last forever. And when we go back to these towns, those people are always there again to hook us up with whatever we needed. And, we always made it home alive and safe. And if anything, if you're in a band and you're listening now, if you're a wrestler, be smart, man. Take care of business and get home safe and take care of those promoters who are, who are putting it all out for you. Take care of business, deliver, and get home safe to your family. And one thing is we always kind of kept it as a business, you know, but you know, yeah, we're, we're working on some new music and of course we got three or four new songs and we just got to get into the studio. So it's budgets to get in the studio to, we have record companies that are said, Hey, we're interested. Uh, might be some re-releases with metal blade. It's a lot of stuff that you can do, but you know, my age, I'm, I'm 59 now, still smashing TV, still raising hell on stage. And you know, it's a tribute to something to business, but, um, it's amazing that we can still go back in time and, and play the songs. I mean, some of the songs we play are some of the songs that were on the demo tape in 1982 and 83. These are classic songs that have stood the test of time. And uh, when you have young kids who weren't even born in the 80s that are into Nasty Savage and, and music that we created, it, it's it's really awesome. It really is awesome. Right on, right on. Okay, that's a perfect place to um, end this. Thank you uh, so much, you know, for your time, I have to admit. Um, I sat here as a fan just listening to all your awesome stories about, you know, the old territory days and work in Florida and all that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, man, it's, it's you know, wrestling was a big part of my life, and it's just, uh, I, I still love it. I like what Chris Jericho's doing with the AEW, and uh, they're they're buying more talent all the time. And some of those guys, you wonder, wow, who's this guy? But right. you know, it, it takes it takes time. And you know, he's from Cal. Well, he was from Calgary too, Chris Jericho, right? Yeah, from Winnipeg originally. Yeah. Yeah, you know what a what a I, I respect that guy so much. You know, he he sang on our Psycho Psycho album. He he was a big Nasty Savage fan. And a friend of mine who know, knows him said, hey, Chris wants to meet you. And he came. We had dinner one night. And I said, yeah, our bass player, Dezo. And he goes, oh, Dezo, it's Savon Bartha III. You mean? I go, oh, yeah. So he's a big Nasty Savage fan. And so when we were doing uh, Psycho Psycho, I might ask him if he'd like to come in the studio. He showed up and sang with me on uh, Savage Desire and came to a couple of our shows. Matter of fact, he just contacted me and said, dude, if I would have known you guys were playing, 
uh, I would have been there, you know, and it's just really great to see Chris and his success, you know, and how smart of a business guy he is and how giving he is to people who really need help. But, uh, you know, I'd love to work with him somehow, some way. And, um, you know, it, it's just really good. And, you know, Canada's brought out some of the greatest wrestlers as well. Um, and the territories with Stu Hart and all those guys who worked out in the dungeon. I mean, there's Bret Hart, you know, all, the, all those guys. And, and that's where Chris trained, you know, and he's had a great career. He's getting a little older now and he's still kicking ass. Last night they had Mike Tyson on there, you know, so he's always coming up with some kind of great stuff. And, you know, and, you know, but what I'm doing now is I produce a TV show called Born to Ride. I produced it for 25 years. I've just, I just produced my 1300th TV episode of Born to Ride Television. So it's the biker lifestyle. It's the life and times of motorcycles and the people who ride them. And it's a great thing. Then I published Born to Ride magazine. I published one in Florida and I published one in the Southeast, which is Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, North and South Carolina. And we do bike events, bike rallies. And, you know, like, you know that show Cops? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's been on forever, right? Right. You know how many episodes they've done? <laughs> 1,100. Wow. 1,100. Born to Ride has done 1,300. That's the commitment, not only to business, but to the biker lifestyle. And you talk about bikers, some of the greatest people ever. You know, For more info, check out borntoride.com. Borntoride.com. We got a Facebook page of all this stuff. and So that's what I'm really doing now. But I, I never forget where I started, and that's, you know, being an entrepreneur back in the early days of selling mistletoe that I pulled off of a house, of a tree and I went house to house with a little baggie going, Hey, I got mistletoe. Would you like to buy some or selling lemonade on a lemonade stand or, you know, entrepreneurial uh, success starts whenever you started. But I started at a young age of being a marketing and promotion guy. When I was in a band, I said, hell, I'm not really a singer. I just play one on stage, so I better start marketing this shit. And that's what I did. I got into wrestling. I just did my thing. And then I started Born to Ride from the power of TV that I learned in wrestling by selling that one Nestle sponsorship. I remembered the service of somebody. So, you know, doing what you do, you know, you know what you have to do to, to create and produce, being a producer. And I got to tell you, what you're doing is a great thing because you're bringing up stories, you're bringing people's life and times, you know, to the people who want to hear it. So when you're listening to this podcast, guys, you know, honor Quentin for what he does, for what bringing this to you. If you like wrestling, if you like heavy metal, if you like riding motorcycles, you know, born to ride. And then what I've done, you know, I'm honored to be able to tell my story today. So I really appreciate it, man. Thank you for everything. And, you know, like I said, if they want to get in touch with me, they go through born to ride.com and, and they could contact me there. So born to ride.com and there are episodes as well out on YouTube to check out what Mr. Nasty Ronnie is doing the, this day and age, because not only, you know, is he a legendary metal artist and he did his time in the wrestling circuit. Well, he's obviously a biker enthusiast as well. And you're going to want to check out, that is well born to ride.com and this is this is homework for you guys as well what he was doing in the metal world and perhaps 
you know, in the wrestling world might have been a little bit before your guys' time, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube. Everyone check out, go on to um, maybe iTunes, buy as much Nasty Savage stuff as you can there. Check them out on Spotify, on YouTube, wherever you're going to do. And I know there is, um, when he was promoting his own federation, as he spoke about in the interview, a lot of that stuff is up on YouTube as well. So once again, yeah, Mr. Nasty Ronnie, thank you so much for your time and appearing on both Wrestling Night in Canada and our sister program, Radioactive Metal. It's definitely a uh, bucket list interview for me. And I was just like, once again, guys, like I was so stoked. This is my first wrestling interview. Right on, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this this is it's it's this is your cue now, Matt. You know you got to step up and <laughs> Ducky's done the first two. I I did one, and now it's up to you. But before we get into anything like that, you know, once again, it's WrestleMania season. That's why this and probably every other wrestling podcast is going into extra innings because of that and what always happens post wrestlemania is they end up doing a little bit of house cleaning Mm -hmm. much to everyone's chagrin and i remember last year it kind of gnawed at us and we had an opinion or three about the whole thing well it's happened again we thought maybe it'd be a good idea if we took a couple moments out, kind of went over the casualty list, and to see where um, maybe they might be better off. Because right now, with the way things are going, you know, in the Fed, I don't know if they call it the Fed anymore. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> the E. The E. The E. Okay, but like I said, old habits die hard. Some of these people that got got let go just might find greener pastures elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so I thought, you know, we, we thought it would be a good idea if we took a couple minutes out, maybe give our two cents as to where we would like to see them go and to whether or not or where they would flourish as well. Um, no, number one, I was actually really surprised, okay, that they let Samoa Joe go. Yeah, because, like, like I, I know he was had his uh, issues with concussions over the last little while, which is why he had been part of uh, Raw's commentary team. But huh. if I do say so myself, he was a really good commentator. Like, uh-huh. I, I enjoyed his work. Like, mm-hmm. like every time... Uh, I know I would like laugh every time uh, he uh, Drew McIntyre would hit his Glasgow kiss headbutt to someone, and Samoa Joe would go, "Oh, give us a kiss!" <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, it's, it's uh, very shocking. That happened was... as soon as you said that when we were watching it the first night. You're like, "I can't wait for Drew to do this," and then Joe will say it. And then, like thirty seconds later, "Give us a kiss." <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and like, and that's another shocking thing too is that he was like one of the like he he did commentary for most of WrestleMania, and then the next day it's like, and he's gone. 
You're gone. You're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, aren't aren't they realigning the whole broadcast booths on both on both shows, bringing in yeah. you know fresh voices? Yeah. yeah raw. The SmackDown commentary team is Michael Cole and Pat McAfee. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's what I saw. And Raw yeah. is oh shit, I don't remember their names because they're two ESPN dudes. I think. Oh. Oh, okay, well, there it is, right there. They're looking for that crossover. Okay, Vince, whatever. So it's uh, sort of like one of them was uh, uh, one one of them is from ESPN. He's a he's an uh, a baseball commentator or announcer. But they have Byron Saxon is the only one still there who was before WrestleMania. Corey Graves got moved over from SmackDown to Raw, and the ESPN guy, his name is uh, Adnan Verk. I believe, and yeah, he he debuted last week on Raw, and ah, uh, I don't know, I, I'm maybe it's the tone of his voice. I wasn't a fan of his commentary; it just kind of seemed a little goofy to me. It, like it, he sounds like a baseball announcer, basically. Right. I don't know. He doesn't really work for professional wrestling. Like I just remember watching last week, and like, uh, or yeah, it was a uh, Lashley like through. Uh, Matt Riddle's uh, scooter or something, and you just hear Adnan Verk go, "Oh, not the scooter! Why would you do that? Why would you do that to a guy's vehicle?" It's like, oh. <laughs> okay, wow. All right, all right. Where do you think Joe would work best elsewhere? I, I see. I can like, see him going back to TNA. Right. Yeah, 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 but if he can't wrestle, like, like, okay, if 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 he's able to wrestle in some sort of capacity, he would be a big boost impact, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I would say, like I know, like a lot of people want to say, like he could go back to Impact, or he could go back to Ring of Honor, or he could go to AEW. But like the thing is, like the guy's well into his forties; he's had his issues with uh, concussions. I think it's time for him to just kind of hang up the boots and be a commentator. For now, for now. Oh yeah, yeah. But where, where? Give like, him eight, that, eight, give him that set. one last TNA run with the world title, and then have him commentate. Well, but yeah, but Kenny Omega is probably going to be winning that pretty soon, and they don't want to take it off him right away. Right. Oh yeah. Joe oh, no. no yeah. I think I think Joe's in ring is done. Mm-hmm. But like, you have you have Striker and D'Lo, you know, doing Impact, and they're they're a pretty good team. They're not bad. Um, yeah, if you went to AEW, I don't know. Like, I, I think Dynamite's commentary team is pretty much set in stone. Like, I don't right. think right. Excalibur, Skiavone, and JR are going anywhere. At the time. <laughs> no, no. I, don't I, I would like to see Joe as a manager, actually, or as, as oh, a yeah. mouthpiece, because he's shown that he can talk. Yeah, he's really good on the stick. Which yeah. way back? Sorry, which way back during his early Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor run, you would never think that this guy would have been so good on the stick. And look at it, look look at him now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I would, in some way, shape, or form, I'd like to see him back in Impact just to give them a boost. Yeah, like a little bit of a ratings boost. I I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, as well here, Lars Sullivan. Uh, he was released earlier on this year, but yeah, oh, okay. I, I, I think he yeah he was released back in January. But I think he's uh, I think he's quit professional wrestling altogether. 
good because right here well, in my like notes, a piece of shit too. I was so. yeah, I was just about to say in my notes it says Lars Sullivan, fuck right off. Mm. <laughs> get get out of my sport. Yeah, like, Lars has yeah. been gone for a while. Good, good. Fuck yeah. him. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. Um, no yeah. Um. The okay. They released both. Okay, I don't know. Uh, Peyton Price is one of them, and there's another what? one. Royce. Okay. They released okay. the iconics. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I wanted you guys to tell me who the other iconic was. Billy, Billy Kay. There we are. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I would like to see them to go to AEW and get involved, like as a team. I think maybe, like, okay, this is my limited knowledge. Okay. I'm not saying that I'm almighty in what's going on with the Iconics, but they, they're they probably most valuable as a team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And probably would work best in AEW. Yeah, the AEW women's tag team division, I think, has yet to really take off. Like, if they did go there, that could really kind of give it a good shot in the arm. But right. as, far as, as far as women's tag team divisions go... Maybe they could go to Impact because they have the Knockouts tag team titles again, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, oh, and that that would certainly help help Impact, but have I don't, them I, I don't know. the iconic duo. No, that's, that's what they were in NXT. <laughs> it, when I think of this team, I don't think Impact. I I do think AEW. Like, okay, well, that's fair enough. And I guess I, I guess the the uh, Knockouts tag team titles can transition from both shows since they're all working together so well i see yeah that's another thing <laughs> yeah between omega and callus and all that yeah like there's there is there there is a lot of crossover and even so, like uh, even david finley and uh juice robinson they're they're the impact at team check champions but they're in new japan <laughs> so oh there you go there you go yeah. oh let's see and it took a good Canadian boy like oh good Winnipeg boy like Don Callis to bring all this shit together. Mm-hmm. At least I'm, yep. that's the way I'm gonna look at it. Yeah, Tony Khan may call himself the forbidden door, but really <laughs> I think Don Callis is the <laughs> is the real forbidden door here. And who would have thought the impact bad pun that Don Callis in 2020, 2021 would have made because he kind of like disappeared from the scene for many years. Yeah. Okay. And all of a sudden he shows up. And of course we mark out being good Winnipeg boys ourselves and all that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who who would have called it? Okay. When he got hired on to be the main man behind impact, I thought, okay, well, that's a good choice, you know, but I'd never, I never saw the crossover and working with Omega and the guy's just gold on the mic as well. He always was even. I'm just waiting for someone to call him a virus and then I'll laugh. (laughs) I'm actually surprised that hasn't happened. Yeah. Well, I think that's a little bit of a touchy subject nowadays. Oh yeah. They might want to save that until, you know, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Mickey James. Uh, well, to be I to be honest, I didn't even know she had a full time contract with WWE at this point. Right. <laughs> I thought she had appearances, but it's not really surprising. But 
Yeah, she definitely she'll go to NWA to be with her husband. Her husband, yeah. Like I was going to say, she's legit married to all this. And as soon as as soon as she can, like, why not make her part of Strictly Business? Well, it's like a meme that came out the other day. Mickey James could go to NWA tomorrow if she wants. They're not going to show it for six months. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. That ninety day, that ninety day thing. But yeah, July fifteenth, uh, I think, is when those are all up. All right. Which, yeah, which is a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But so no, it would it would definitely be interesting, and I I definitely think the NWA would certainly benefit from the name. And there would be a spot for her, and I think it it would it would be a good fit. It'd be a good fit. Well, you see, the thing like uh, she's already been in TNA, and she had a good run there. I would I wouldn't mind seeing her in AEW because I think what the biggest reason why the women's division in AEW kind of lacks a little bit is because a lot of these women don't have experience wrestling on television. So right. that's. It doesn't really come across being like like all that well on TV as it could, because like a lot of these girls are used to wrestling with no cameras around. Right. If someone bring on someone like Mickey James, who has all the experience wrestling in front of the camera, she could really lend a hand to the women's division in AEW and give it a good shot in the arm. Mm-hmm. 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 And with the NWA. Versus uh, Thunder Rosa or Camille. There's a marquee match right there. Yeah. And it looks like they're already building something where Camille is going to split from Strictly Business. So it's maybe maybe we can see Camille doing a, a face turn. She's a star. Camille really is. Like yeah. she's, 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 she's a star in the making because she's a, she's a natural athlete. Okay. And you Ooh. give her... Some more time in the ring and on the mic, and she's gold. She's gold. Yeah, That's, no doubt. She's one of the reasons why Billy Pumpkins has my five bucks a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, like yeah, I interview Snowy, work on it, Billy Pumpkins. <laughs> oh yeah, you probably want to get paid for it. Wow. <laughs> I've I've never bought an interview before and I never will. Yeah. I don't blame you. Mm. Dude, I'm not paying to talk to you. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Chelsea Green. Okay. Uh, I remember no, so go back to TNA. Yeah, I for a while there I was like, who the fuck was Chelsea Green again? Who no, yes. wasn't she wasn't she known as Chelsea Green? Wasn't she this? Wasn't she that? And then it, it kind of hits like, oh right, she was Laura Van Ness. Well, yeah, the hot mess. The oh, hot man. mess in impact and all that. She had that angle with uh who is now the bunny. She was Oh, Allie. Allie, yeah, yeah, yeah which which okay, like the bunny, fine, whatever it is, it is what it is. But Cherry Bomb and then Allie, like the, these, these are fantastic characters. I hate that word, yes, but you know, for that that persona, okay, where they were going with Allie before she walked from Impact, you know, she would have really made 
an impact, but not just unfortunately, she, it's just it just never happened. The Laura Van Ness character was something else, and um, I don't want to see the hot mess, but no. bring her back to Impact, just just as that. She has been like on Twitter. She has been making a lot of posts about the Laura Van Ness character, the hot mess. Oh, okay. See, I don't want to see that, but. Okay. Yeah. But I guess we'll see what happens, but. Right. Because it doesn't make sense because she was the hot mess character and all that. But then she went, you know, and the hot mess is gone. And now it's like, it's like back just because you're back. That, that, that doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. Well, I know she was, uh, after she left impact, she was independent for a while because she was on, uh, she was supposed to be on all in. Before, like before AEW was formed, okay, like, I remember if it was or not? But uh, no, she was supposed to be, I think, and then she couldn't work the show because she signed with NXT. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. Okay. Either way, I'd like to see Laura Van Ness back in Impact and uh, put put her in with uh, Tennille. Well, it, it would make sense for her to go to Impact because she's dating Matt Cardona and he's there now, so I guess that would make. sense make yeah. perfect sense. okay yeah yep. <laughs> it helps when your boyfriend or husband or whatever is you know on, on the roster yeah 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 okay uh Kalisto Kalisto um oh, no more the... lucha house party well they were already kind of separated because of the brand split anyway right right and uh, were they really doing anything with him no, like, because uh, he, he, in the brand split, he went to SmackDown while uh, Lindsay Dorado and Grand Metalik went to Raw. So, and he, I don't think he was on TV at all since the brand split. So, uh, but as for where he could go, I could see him showing up in Impact. Like, not, not as Kalisto, obviously. I don't know. I don't know if he had a, another wrestling name. Before WWE, right? Uh, like, does does, yeah. if, does he own the name Kalisto? Do we know? Probably not. Probably not. I, I oh, okay, but I could see him. I could definitely see him showing up in the Impact Zone. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Or, or really, I thought I have here like he would be a good fit in AEW because mm-hmm. they they do a lot of what corny calls the flippy stuff and the flippy shit that doesn't the, mean the, the flippy shit and all that and i think and why I, I agree a lot with Cornette and there's some stuff i don't i don't agree and i agree that you know or i don't agree that you know there is a spot for the flippy stuff and all mm-hmm. that and i i think Kalisto would fit in well with AEW. I could see him going to Japan and CMLL in Mexico as well. I could see him mm-hmm. bouncing around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, going back to Japan would be... Mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, he would actually probably do really well in Japan. Or even maybe AAA. Right, yeah, CMLL yep. or AAA, yep. yeah. I'm sure, Ducky, you're too quiet with this. What's going on? I'm listening. Okay. Yeah, he's listening. <laughs> yeah, what we talk? <laughs> Listeners are supposed to be listening. We're we're, we're talking. Yeah, yeah. I don't want you listening. I want to hear you spouting. 
kind of hear you talking. Yeah, yeah. Bo Dallas. This was a bit of a surprise because I thought for a while that he was the crispy fiend. But oh, okay. And I thought that was going to be a big unveiling because it looked like uh, Crispy Fiend was too small to be Bray Wyatt, but then it yeah. just turned out Bray Wyatt lost even more weight. So mm-hmm. <laughs> good for him. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah. we were thinking of all. We were just thinking like, if Crispy Fiend is Bo, and Crispy Fiend fought Orton at Mania, and then near the end of the match, if the Fiend came out, then it's like, oh fuck, okay, it's definitely Bo. But it's like, nope, not Bo Dallas. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess hard to say where he would turn up, really. Like, because uh, he was teaming with Curtis Axel uh, for a while. Right. He's, he he hasn't shown up anywhere. He's been gone for a whole year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I I kind of have not been ex- like I, I'm not sure if Bo Dallas like is a really good in-ring worker or not because like he was relegated to more comedy work on the main roster right I never I never got to see his NXT run it was it was so, decent yeah was he it was like is he a real a really good in-ring technician or was he he's, more of he's good, in, he's good in the ring he's really good in the ring okay so you then think WWE maybe, just had him sit around for a year and a half and not make him do nothing not really doing anything yeah Okay. Like, what? Vince was probably just like, what? We're still paying this guy? Who is he? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm I'm glad you said who who is he? Because I'm a little okay, he's Bo Dallas is Mike Rotundo's son, right? Yeah, he's Bray Wyatt's brother. And yeah, both yeah, and it's Barry Wyndham's how is he connected to Barry Wyndham? Okay, so whose whose name whose name is actually Wyndham? Wyndham Rotundo, or what is that? Bray Wyatt. That's Bray Wyatt's real name. Yeah, Wyndham Rotundo. Oh, okay, okay. So I guess Mike Rotundo's sister is married to Barry Wyndham. Then, uh, I think so. Yeah, I, okay. I'm not sure. Okay. I don't get involved with all the... <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we're gonna get an email or a message from one of our listeners saying, "What the fuck, Snowy? Like this is shit that you should know. This is some old school shit and all that." Mm-hmm. That in mind, being Mike Rotundo's son, okay, and connected to Barry Windham, I could totally see Con picking him up. Just because of the pedigree that way, because, okay, because they had Cody Rhodes, you know, on, you know, and they put him with Arn Anderson and all that. He's just, he has, I I could just see it. I could just see them. Okay. You know, this is Bo Dallas or he was, well, they'll have to give him a different name. You know, he's Jim Rotundo or whatever. And he, of course, his famous father was Mike Rotundo and his uncle is Barry Windham or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. AW likes stuff like that. And I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if if they brought Mike Rotundo in, you know, to be his corner man. Who doesn't want to see Mike Rotundo either as well, you know? I'll pay yeah. for that. Oh, hell Yeah. I would I would say he could be the Joker in the Casino Battle Royale at Double or Nothing, but that's in May, unfortunately. Oh, so okay. the the other yeah, ninety day no non compete clause will not have expired by then. But yeah, <laughs> we could, okay. could see somebody else. One of like Andrade could be maybe be that guy. Right. right. Or, yeah, they they sorry. Or just La Sombra. 
Oh, you mean that? That's what Andrade, Andrade was. Andrade, yeah. 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 Okay. La Sombra, that was his. But I uh, could see him going back to Japan, though. Yeah. Fair enough. Or, or, or he was or, in that um, stable that Tanahashi's in. Oh, Chaos or. Or was Tanahashi? I, I think. I think it was Chaos, yeah, because I think La Sombra was the old leader or something. Okay. And then he can come back and then try and take his leadership back. All right. I'm not I'm not fully familiar with uh a lot of New Japan stuff, so forgive me. I just I know like the two big stables in New Japan were Chaos and the Bullet Club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hate to say it with me with New Japan, it's in spurts. One minute. Like I'll I'll be focused on it and like it'll it I'll just like that's I'm yeah. all I'm I'm all in okay mm-hmm. and then I'll go a long spurt where it's like oh shit I don't know anything about New Japan what what's going on now you know so um yeah I could see a, a draw day you know going to going to Mexico CMLL AAA yeah. Would, would uh, probably be a good fit there. But Bo Dallas for me, yeah, I could see him showing up in AEW at some point. Oh yeah, and they'll they'll just push they'll just push the family the like 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 the relation. Yeah, and that's that's what I would do. Yeah, I could. Uh, <laughs> if, yeah, if if he doesn't debut as like a wild card or whatever in a battle royal or whatever that ladder match that Ethan Ethan Page debuted in at the last uh, pay per view. I could see him being like an op- like if there was like an open challenge for the TNT title, he would just show up on an episode of Dynamite, and be like, "Oh shit, it's fucking Bo Dallas." There we are. There we are. Now you're thinking like a Booker. Holy shit! <laughs> the meme after Bo Dallas got like oh like it was really sad. It was like it's hard to believe that he had to believe. Oh, that's right. The whole believe thing. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The, the gimmick that the fans actually like just booed him for, but he like acted like a like his attitude was that of like a baby face, but people just absolutely hated him for it. Yeah, like I loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes that works. Yeah, yep. <laughs> My favorite part of that whole gimmick, like that I saw in like packages, was then like when the fans were like he he was like trying to act like oh like, like that he loved the fans, and then they were just like relentlessly booing him, and then like. At the end of it, he just like gets out to the top of the ramp. He's like, "It's like I'm gonna leave now. I'm gonna be the bigger man." Okay, <laughs> everyone just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Right, Mojo. Next? Oh, sorry. Mojo Raleigh. Uh, yeah. This 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 guy's got impact all, all all over him. I think. Yeah, he was he wasn't a tag team with Zack Ryder and Matt Cardona, so wouldn't surprise me if he came in and teamed up with Brian Myers, and they they would be like the former the former partners of uh, Matt Cardona's teaming up against him. I could see it. Definitely. Glad you know all these little former f- former monikers here. This guy was this. This guy was that. There and all that is just. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just an old man now, but I'm having a hard time. You know, remembering all these names. 
and places and all that. But from what I remember from Mojo Raleigh, because when they brought him into the WWE, they gave him a good push. And he seemed like, you know, he was on fire for a while there. And it just kind of fizzled off. And it got to the point where, like, who's who's Mojo Raleigh again? Yeah, like they... They they let him win the the uh, Andre the Giant or the armbar the Andre the, the armbar battle royal yeah the armbar uh, yeah they, he won that at WrestleMania 33 I think but he got help from Rob Rob Gronkowski because they're actually legit good buddies in real life oh okay yeah so I think yeah he got the push because he's buddies with a football player ah oh, okay yeah, he got the rub. Uh, okay, well, I think like, he would probably care. best. I don't care for Mojo Raleigh, but it sucked that he lost the job. Yeah. Oh, of course. All all of our opinions of these people, good or bad, what sucks here is like they're on the unemployment line, and they like probably shouldn't be. Yeah. yeah. But at least it's at least it's a little bit better than last year because last year when everyone got released, there was no independent promotions running oh yeah yeah Every, everyone was just going home and crying in their beer but <laughs> now you know we have AEW, we have impact and these are all good shows ring of, yeah, ring honor. of honor like let's not yeah we're, we're not even figuring ring of honor into uh in into these i think i think raleigh would be good at ring in in ring of honor for sure okay i was gonna say that about boat Alice too but then you brought up the whole thing about AEW. and like pushing the family thing, and I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, I can see that." All right, and I think the last one on my list is um, okay. Otis and Tucker were heavy machinery, yeah, or some or something like that. And Otis, they broke off, and they tried to make him the next Dusty Rhodes or whatever, and and they kind of left Tucker kind of out. Out in the cold, so it's not really surprising to me that they said, "You know what? We don't really have nothing for you, son." Yeah, you know? like they. Uh, so, and I don't know. Like, I don't know anything about this Tucker guy. I don't really remember him very much. So, where do you guys think? Like, <laughs> uh, where do you guys think, and where, where, where would he flourish the most? God, that's a good. Probably, he'd probably go to Impact and probably feud with. Like he 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 reminds me of like along the lines of guys like Jake something and Deaner and like all those guys, you know. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Okay, so I'd say Impact is probably his uh, more most likely uh, place to go, um, unless he just quits wrestling altogether. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe well, he'll show up at MLW. I don't know. <laughs> Oh shit! You know what? We didn't even factor MLW into any of these as well. Oh, shame on us! I'm no, kind no, of we... a, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a little behind in my MLW. I'm sure. I'm okay. I'm just gonna on a dull Sunday afternoon one of these times. I'm just gonna binge, you know, about five fusions and get and get totally caught right up. Okay. But shame on that. Okay, is that it for this uh, list? Was, yeah, I... Well, there was Wesley Blake got released. Uh, his uh, one of his partners, Stephen Cutler, got released back in January. They were those two and Jackson Riker were in a stable called the Forgotten Sons. 
And okay. Yeah, but it's uh, they broke they broke them or they took them off TV. They were giving them a push on SmackDown, but then Jackson Riker made that uh, post about Donald Trump, like backing him for what he had been doing around that time in, in oh. relation to the BLM thing. And so then they, got they released the other two and kept yeah, Jackson they don't, Riker. Yeah, they don't release the fucking racist. They release the other guys that. <laughs> well, okay. There's something to be said about that because Vince has been in bed with Trump for how long? Uh, well, the cons are too, so don't rule that. Yeah. Like, oh, no, definitely. Oh, I, I've already said that. Like, yeah. uh-huh. nobody's interested in that. In yeah, the more, more people vote Republican than you think. Oh, I know. Oh, god. So don't like people give Jericho a hard time for that shit, but it's like, uh a lot of your favorites. A lot, a lot of them are, yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, I try, try not to think about that when I flip on the TV, you know. No, but, I just put in my head. But uh, yeah, Wesley Blake and Stephen Cutler, they, I could see them showing up in Impact as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wesley Blake actually used to uh, be tag team NXT tag team champions with uh, Buddy Murphy. Oh, okay. And they were they were managed by Alexa Bliss. Ah, yeah. Well, right Wesley, was it Wesley who was married to Alexa or Buddy? No, Buddy. Well, they were never married. Buddy Murphy was dating Alexa Bliss for a long time, though. Wow. Okay, that guy's got my respect. Yeah. Right <laughs> Holy jeez. Yeah, Buddy wow. Murphy, Blake. The the their other tag team was called Blake and Murphy. Okay. Well, that's. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they were NXT Tag Team Champions for a while, and then Alexa Bliss got called up to SmackDown, and and uh, yeah. <laughs> the Forgotten Sons were in NXT for a while. Their gimmick didn't really work down there. Then they got called up to SmackDown. It started to work. Like, I th- I thought that gimmick was a lot better suited for the main roster, but then, yeah, that shit with Jackson Riker and Twitter happened, and yeah, unfortunately. And then, oh, Blake and Murphy, or sorry, uh, Blake and Cutler were actually King Corbin's new cronies for a little while. And then, yeah, Stephen Cutler got released because he went to a party in January and didn't tell anybody about it. So, oh, yeah. And all the Korean yeah. and all that. That's, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but I think, I think that's kind of our black, what, Wednesday, Thursday? What was it this year? Thursday this year. Black Thursday. That was kind of our list. It's it's regardless, you know what? It's going to be interesting. Like you know, in nine, 90 days from now, exactly where these people pop up, and it's going to make for good conversation here on the show. But I think uh looking at the clock on the wall, it's just about time to bring this crazy train into the station once again yes we're going into extra innings but hey like i said it's wrestlemania before before we call her before we call her tonight uh i'll i watched most if not all of the showcase and they had 14 shows and i did not want to write all of that down so (laughs) i didn't we don't blame you it's okay. Well, fucking crazy. But Dan Moff won the tournament they had at ICW. Okay. Surprise! He's still even wrestling. I forgot he was. Um, 
Casanova Valentine survived his Taipei death match with Madman Pondo. Holy oh. shit. Wow. Props to that. He took a cinder block to the nuts, which he yelled, which the crowd went quiet after that spot, which he yelled, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, I can't blame that. Blame for that. Yeah. When you put a cinder block on your nuts and you smash it with a sledgehammer, yeah, that'd be my reaction, too. Yeah. <laughs> my balls. <laughs> my ball. Taz, my balls. My balls. Yeah. Yeah, that was a bloodbath. The next day, Madman Pondo had a match with Matthew Justice, and he broke, I want to say, two or three ribs, and he punctured his lung. So, wishing Madman Pondo a speedy recovery. Mm -hmm. Don't do that again. Nope. (laughs) Well... He was lying on a table, and Matthew Justice went, that's a high spot, and jumped off of it. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> oh, man. Jesus Christ. You need help. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't wrestling. This is attempted murder. <laughs> oh, and John Moxley wrestled Josh Barnett. Okay, oh, that I'll pay for. for. That, that sounds good. And it was a bloodbath, and Moxley lost. Oh, really? Hmm. Well, good. Then, it doesn't hurt him to lose on the Indies. No. no. And then he showed up at another GCW show the next day and confronted Nick Gage, and I think their rivalry is going to happen again. Oh, all right, yeah. Showed me the footage of that. Like the first uh, uh, That'll be cool. If the first comment on that was, oh, Renee's going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. Double D on the light tubes, and Renee's like, uh-oh. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, because like I, I can't begin to imagine like the train wreck Mrs. Snowy would be if I was one of these hardcore wrestlers. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, she would just, uh, I, I, I couldn't do that to her. I couldn't do that to her. At the same time, though, Renee knew, knew who she was marrying. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that's... that interview he had with yeah. Chris Van Vliet. He was like, you know who I was marrying? I was going to do some stupid shit eventually. <laughs> right on, right on. We'll get some of these guys on the horn, Ducky, and let's let's get their two cents on what's going on with that for sure. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's WrestleMania season, and apparently WrestleMania season is being extended with WrestleMania backlash. Uh. (laughs) Apparently, uh, I guess the greatest wrestling match ever backlash didn't stick with people. Can't imagine. I guess not. I guess not. (laughs) The greatest wrestling match ever. Uh, just kind of a side note before we make our way out of here, talking about WrestleMania and all that. I looked up the pay-per-view rates. Okay. For each night was $35 each. So that's 70 bucks to watch WrestleMania on pay-per-view. Or you wow. could just pay 10 bucks. 10 or or 10 you could just well, yeah, you could just yeah. you could just do you could just do the network and all that or Peacock or whatever. Like I've said in the past, once we start getting Peacock up here, then I'm going to look into that as opposed well, once we get Peacock up here, the network for everyone's going to be canceled anyway. So, oh yeah, there's there's there's, there's going to be nothing on the air, <laughs> as we mentioned yeah. last as we mentioned last episode. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, we'll we'll all have to get Peacock if we want to watch fucking WrestleMania next year. <laughs> if we get it, if we end up getting it up here. So, so how can people get a hold of us? Uh, people can get a hold of us on Facebook at facebook.com slash wrestling night in Canada or Instagram at wrestling night in Canada. Right on, right on. And Wrestling Night in Canada is proud members of the Shining Wizards Network, shiningwizardsnetwork.com. That's probably where you are checking us out, but we are available on pretty much every podcast aggregator, including Spotify. So thank you if you're joining us from there. And if you haven't had, God help you, if you hadn't had enough of your cool Uncle Snowy, you're going to want to go to the Shining Wizards Network and check out our sister program, Radioactive Metal, if you enjoy the the hard and heavy musical styles of all sorts of wicked artists. You're going to want to check that out. And of course, the Shining Wizards Network, predominantly a pro wrestling network but you know like i said they kind of branch out all sorts of interesting podcasts kind of your one-stop shop thank you so much to you two dudes you know i understand my interview with nasty ronnie kind of went into extra innings and all that so thank you for allotting me the uh the space on this show for that it was definitely a very interesting interview and you guys are going to want to take a moment out in your week and give it a spin and and give it a listen there's a lot lot of history within that dude for sure for sure so it's gonna be airing or not only on this episode but uh the the new uh radioactive metal we did a bit of an uh wnic takeover so (laughs) that's right there was a run-in yeah, <laughs> that's right. The next episode, we, we ran with chairs. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. So, big shout out to my co-host Aaron at Radioactive Metal as well. In the meantime, and in between time, that's it. This has been another exciting episode of Wrestling Night in Canada. I'm Snowy White. I'm Matt Copper. I'm Dust America. Signing off. And we're from Winnipeg, you idiots. <laughs>